You're saying some weird fucking shit, bro. Homeschooled. Homeschooled. Move, you beautiful bastards. They're like, we're going to penetrate them. This is how you, this is how a man does it. Private, come suck this. This is great. Oh, God, we're going to die. This goddamn son of a bitchery. I'm going to hit you. Don't do that. Get you in trouble. My God. I'm amazing. But I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, I can smell you. You're getting my carpet all wet with your weird tears, so... The thought on me. Go forward! Go forward, you fuckers! We're gonna win the war! <laughs> I'm in wartime, peeing my nails. <laughs> He's got moxie, kid. It's just being a general dickhead. Welcome back to part two. Whoa! Yeah, this is people time. Part two of Georgie Patton. Oh, Georgie. Yeah. You cartoon character. Aw. <laughs> you crazy son of a bitch. Do we ever find out, like, how many times this guy went to the hospital or anything? Um, how many I, accidents this guy has? Ugh, th there's probably a list. I did see that he got stitches 16 times. <laughs> yeah. So, have you ever gotten stitches? I haven't. No, I'm not accident prone. Yeah, the only time I've ever gotten stitches is something like in my mouth because they were that's true pulling a tooth or some shit, but yeah. not like from anything I've no. been doing. I got stitched. Yeah, wisdom teeth. That's it. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I was pretty reckless. I fell out of trees and yeah, got in car accidents and stuff. He's just that reckless. <laughs> I, that's just his whole thing. Is his yeah? His shit is just go 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 murder kill fall out of shit. He's up in the tree and forgets he's up there, and then like just falls off. Like, oh yeah, that's right, I was up in the tree. Oh, I could see, I could see him up in a tree, daydreaming about Napoleon and being like, yeah, but when he was at this mountainside, if he had gone left instead of right, and then just fall out of the tree, <laughs> and he's embarrassed and he cries. You don't even care that I was <laughs> thinking about Napoleon. You only care that I'm bleeding profusely. Well, welcome to part two. If you haven't already listened to part one, uh, that's the previous episode. We like to give both parts in the same day, so that way you can listen to both of them. Because we're not, we're not assholes. No. Podcasts that do part one and two and separate by a week, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. So That's we, literally every other podcast. because we care about you. We really do. You dabbler. Yeah. You dabbling dabbler, you motherfucker. Yeah. Bring me your mouth. Do... Yeah, if you're into it. That's how I express love. Well, we, uh, as we say, I think in almost every single part two episode, we never give a fun fact, but then we give a fake fun fact. And so you always give the fake fun fact. Would you like to take it away? Sure. Today's fun fact is that the Care Bears, mm -hmm. if you get it deep into the franchise and you read the metaphors, is actually pro-white uh, supremacy. Right. And... I love the Care Bears, but I don't love white supremacy. But I do love watching it and becoming a white supremacist slowly over time. Oh. You know, has anyone ever asked us what happens when they rub their stomachs together and they beam? Is it like is that how they make love? Like energy beams come out, but I don't know yeah. the physics of it. We should look into that. We should. I mean, that's what we do. We we'll do, do the... tests and check it out. If we could find a way to make our bellies light up and shoot power out of it we'll try it we'll rub our bellies together. white power <laughs> i don't want to shout that <laughs> no i'm the white power bear you can be the 
diversity bear. Diversity bear. And we'll just make them fight each other. My picture is just a bunch of people of different backgrounds all holding hands, and then it shoots out a beam yeah. of love. And mine is a white guy murdering everybody. <laughs> <laughs> History! It's just taking their shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Care Bears is amazing. I can't wait to play tummy sticks with you. I'll play tummy sticks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll record it. Yeah. And release that. We'll let you know how it goes. You guys can check that out. Uh, Georgie's all about white power. So. Uh, is he that racist? He is very racist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where to draw Everybody. that line where you're like, culturally, it was like a thing then. But it's one of those things that whenever I hear somebody else say, like, it was a time frame that I instantly go, ugh. But at the same time, it's. <sighs> It's the time frame. It doesn't excuse it to being okay by any means. But then think about like but it's expected. In the 1800s, there were people who were fine with people of other colors. But they were like, there were they were like, why do we have to be racist? Like, what's the deal? That's true. There was. I mean, yeah. So being a racist at any point, I maybe you're just a dickhead. I don't know. Yeah. Fuck, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, he's very. I mean, he's not a white supremacist, but he, right, right. he's the general, like, white people are superior guy. Yeah. Which I don't know the difference in there, I guess. Pretty close to Hitler, the people he's fighting. <laughs> yeah. He he actually doesn't like Hitler. He thinks he's an idiot, which most people he did. Does. Yeah. Uh, I did, too. Yeah. And I think Churchill did, too. Because yeah. I think everybody recognized that Hitler was a, an egomaniac who was not a war genius, the way yeah. he thinks he is. But Georgie was very... Uh, impressed and respected the German generals. All right. Okay. Very, very much. He, he, he thought was, they were good at their... Especially Rommel. Oh, yeah. Well, Rommel was... And this is one of those things that, like, I said it even on... Uh, I think it was Churchill I said it on, where I was like, yeah, Rommel was good at what he did. doesn't mean what he did was good, but Correct. he was good at yes. doing it. I mean, yeah, in the same way that... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mengele was... Very talented at murdering Jews. Yeah. It's a shitty skill that no one should have. It's but a great skill for him yeah. in his time and place. Ugh. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're doing uh, Patton, and uh, we just have entered, it seems, World War II. We did. Here we are. Torch. We're, so about that, to, we're about to torch up Africa. That's where we were last left off. Welcome. Operation Torch. Welcome, you, dabblers. You dabbler. Ugh. Oh, beautiful. Ah, oh, man, I want to... Hey, I'm hugging you right now. Just go oh, ahead feel that feel embrace. It. You feel it? Mm-hmm. His hands are going a little lower than appropriate. But it's also okay. It's but You no. don't mind when it's... You don't mind. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it sounds like I'm going to force ourselves on him. It's okay. My hand will go lower. <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> it's fucking awful. <laughs> well, it is November of 1942. All right. And Georgie, with his forces, are on the USS Augusta. That's a ship, I take it. It is a big-ass boat. USS is usually a giveaway. Yeah. It stands for United States... Ship. Ship. <laughs> but USS is uh, how they signify military boats. Yeah. That's all I know. But the Augusta shipped them for two weeks from America to Morocco, to the west side of Africa, to invade Casablanca. Yeah. The plan was to secure the railways for supplying the eastern front and the northern front. So Algeria and Tunisia are where there's 
bigger German presence. That's where Montgomery is. It's where the Brits are trying to fight. And America is just barely starting out. We're like, okay, we'll start on the other side and just kind of creep in and try to help you, bro. Yeah. So for two weeks, they kind of stealthily avoided U-boats and bombs and made their way to the shore. And the landing was apparently very, very rough. Georgie stayed on the boat, um, but they took very heavy fire, not from Germans, from the Vichy French. What? So we maybe should, we should people time some of this, but there's French colonies in Morocco and northern Africa, and they didn't agree with the French um, getting taken over. No, they were actually fine oh, with the French. For it. Yeah, they they were more pro Nazi. They were like, hey, they're strong, they're great, we're okay with them, but they weren't on board. They were just sort of in the middle where they're like, we don't like mainland France. We What's don't up with that with hate France? The Germans. That's like how it was when the Joan of Arc. There was like some that were like, yeah, we're more for <laughs> England than we are for France. The French can't make up their fucking minds about anything. Their language, every word ends before it ends. <laughs> we're the... Yeah. <laughs> you fucking frogs. <laughs> so that's the so prime... Mean. Eh, that's... <laughs> Eh, that's the primary people that uh, Georgie fought first when they landed in Africa. It was the Vichy French who had some bases there and shot at their boat and shot at their landing boats. And they took some losses, but they're not a very big force. So they ran in and just murdered a bunch of French people hmm. until the fickle French were like, okay, maybe you're stronger. We're, we're okay with you. And they just immediately flip. Yeah. Fro yeah. Frogs. How many times has Paris been taken, guys? You tell me. <laughs> so. Maybe get better at things. <laughs> <sighs> well, uh, they run in and take the city called Fadala, which is just a little uh, south of Casablanca. And communications with Ike, who's up in Gibraltar, aren't very good because their radios are fucked up and none of, none of the American landing in Africa went well. We just were not trained for it. We barely got to the shore and we took, we took a lot of losses fighting off the Germans and the French and uh, there was also some Italians down there and shit. But they eventually persuaded the French to surrender uh, and well, what happened was we surrounded Casablanca, Georgia's forces did yeah and they said surrender or we're just we're gonna burn your city down <laughs> we don't really care about it we just need to secure it so that we can secure the railways and the french surrender they're like, like no. don't burn it down we like it here they have good fries <laughs> <laughs> french fries you saw what i did i, I and then i called it out like very stupidly <laughs> french fries <laughs> yeah even though that's not where they came from we're not comedians here we're just we we're trying. We're, do we're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a trophy. Yeah. Maybe some toast. Yeah. What? Buttered? French toast. I don't really care for French toast. Sometimes. Get out. It's too much. It gives me a stomachache. It's better than pancakes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no, yeah. come on. Yeah. People Time's going to have a break now to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll find out who's right in a minute. Well, well Georgie allows the French to stay uh, in Casablanca, saying, you guys have set up relationships with the locals, and we don't, so 
uh, defer to us, but run local shit, please. Okay. And thank you. Now, he writes a bunch of letters to Ike because their radios don't work, but none of it really works. The letters don't get to him? I mean, the Postal Service doesn't work. You know, you send a ship over there, it sinks or whatever. Right. It's just, he doesn't hear from Ike for a while, or they don't hear from each other. So, 57-year-old Georgie Pattons... 57, damn. Yep. ...is in charge of Morocco. Um, He's burning Ike's letters. Well, I haven't heard back from him. I'm in charge. I don't know. uh, Forward! (laughs) Into the Congo! (laughs) We don't stop! (laughs) So we hit Russia. I I think he would if he could. (laughs) Um, Well, he hung out with the Sultan of Morocco... That's weird. And they had a parade for him. Oh. And he went hunting for exotic animals, and he's just fucking... This he, is weird during wartime. He's like, hey, you want to go on a hunting trip? Sure. Seriously, because he doesn't have orders from Ike, so he's like, I don't know where to move. I mean, we'll just secure, I guess. And yeah. he is fucking stoked. You guys got any good golf courses? Sweet. Let's build one. This is great. <laughs> he is so stoked because he's finally like a military commander. He has land. He's being treated like royalty by the sultan. And he, this is what Georgie is built for, is being praised. Yeah. Yeah. He loves it. Uh, well, he, he finally gets in contact with Ike and complains. Instead of everything's going well, he says, why aren't I not in the front lines in Tunisia? What? Why am I even here? Really? Yeah. He uh, he is like, why is a is a military genius like me in the far back line just holding ground? What does he get back in response? I'm sure the letter that I didn't, I wasn't able to read, but it sounds like I probably told him to shut the fuck up. And he's like, <laughs> Look, I'm not going to give you a commanding force, but we aren't doing stellar in Tunisia, so I need you to come up front and give me an I give me a report on why the tanks aren't being as effective as they should be. So they're not. Why is that? Rommel is a war genius. Yeah. And Montgomery. Rommel, by the way, is the German side, in case anyone doesn't know. Yeah. Er- so he's on the Germans. Yes. Erwin uh, Rommel is a a German general, and he's he's considered lo- the most effective German general. Yeah. And he's running the African campaign with his Africa Corps, and they kick our ass for a good while out there in the desert. Um, Georgie goes and takes a look at the tank casualties and decides that it's due to a lack of leadership on the part of the English. And he just pretty much says that they're weak-minded and not offensive-minded enough and that he should be in charge. Right. Of course. Yes. So Hitler uh, sends reinforcements down into Africa in December of 42. And due to this, it ends up being kind of a stalemate over the winter of 1942. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's equatorial right there. So I don't know how cold it gets, but I think the winter is like super rainy. And it's a desert, so it's just mud. Yeah. So everybody kind of calls off miserable. any serious fighting. It's too dirty. I don't want to get my boots dirty. God. i got to keep them clean. This, fucking... is a, this is a war. It's not. <laughs> We're not animals. We're not animals. This is not anarchy, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. I need to keep my bolo tie clean. <laughs> so what to do, what to do. They have a meeting in Casablanca in Georgie's big-ass palace over there yeah. to kind of decide what to do. And it features this meeting features an all-star cast of uh, uh, Roosevelt, Churchill, Marshall, uh, Ikey, oh, wow. General Montgomery, General Alexander, Bradley. Everybody. All the commanding generals. If somebody had just had like one bomb. They would have taken out the whole totally, head of 
Totally different war. Jesus Christ. Um, but George is invited to be at the meeting, but told not to speak. <laughs> and he, he is in charge of security. You can be there. Don't talk. Shut up, Don't George. talk. George. So because it's at his place, he's in charge of security. And I literally see him, like, outside, like, with his hat just, like, mumbling. I'm the smartest one here. I'm going to go tell them. I'm going to go tell them. And standing out there this evening, he sees himself as a legendary historical war hero who, at 56, has had one gunfight in Mexico, Mm -hmm. four days in France, and about five days in Morocco. He's like, what's legendary about that, you stupid piece of shit? (laughs) God damn it. I'm the best. Yeah, it's it's frustrating thinking you're the best and you don't have any evidence for that. And I'm sure later on he'll complain that he didn't do enough. He does. Yeah. Yep. That's how it goes. That's that, uh, I don't know what psychological disease that is, but he's got it. Yeah. It's narcissism or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's hmm. just being a general dickhead. So what do they discuss there while they're there that he's not allowed to talk at? What to do? I mean, the stalemate in Africa sucks because they're like, this isn't even the front that we want to be at. Yeah. And Rommel's fucking tough. Um, so they're just setting up like... And Winston's like, I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's going well. Yeah. And Ike's like, I don't even want to be fucking be here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm sure the meeting was a lot of arguing. Yeah. Um, his shitty feelings are exasper- exasperated by the fact that his son-in-law, John Waters, who married his daughter, his first daughter, Beatrice, yeah, is in the military. Weird. He was serving in Tunisia and was actually uh, taken... POW by the Germans. Oh, damn. So, and interestingly, John Waters is the dad of George Patton the fifth. Oh, yeah, okay. And so, Georgie is like, um, you know, my son-in-law is out there, and I'm the genius. I can't go get him because you guys tell me I'm in charge of security. And you tying my hands down, man. This is all of World War II is Georgie just... (laughs) <laughs> not not being in charge of enough. Yeah. Well, he is buoyed by the announcement that he's given command of the American invasion of Sicily. They're like, when we get done with Africa, we're going to go into Sicily, which is like an island attached to Italy on the uh, southwest side. Yeah. It's closer to Africa. They're like, we're going to push into Sicily so we can start an Italian campaign, get rid of Mussolini, and then we'll deal with Germany. So they're like, Georgie, you, uh, you're loud and uh, you're crazy. So we want you to be in charge of when shit gets crazy. Yeah. So he, at this point, due to his general antics, uh, gets another Life magazine cover. Oh, really? Yeah. What is it this time? Just him? I think it's sort of like a piece about, um, well, generally about the American presence in the war. But because George represents that brash American loud asshole, yeah, he's off in the cover story. Yeah, yeah, it's like perfect. You're just exactly like everybody else on in the world that's not the U.S. looks at that and goes, "What an ass." Yeah, literally everybody else would be like, "Why are you the way you are? Why are they promoting him too? <laughs> like, why are they giving him so much attention?" He's such a loud fucking asshole, and he never. He never he thinks everything is not enough about him. Everything's not enough at all. <laughs> I have a quote from that article. So, yeah, part of this article is a quote saying that a combination of 
as I said, Georgie is a combination of Buck Rogers, the Green Hornet, and the Man from Mars. He's a rootin' tootin', hip-shootin' commander of American forces in Morocco. He has enough dash and dynamite to make a Hollywood adventure hero look like a drugstore cowboy. Jesus, that sounds so 40s. He's got moxie, kid. (laughs) It's very... He's grease lightning. He's grease lightning, guys. He, uh... He excites that... Yeah, that sense in people that he's... Sounds like a bunch of fictional characters, right? Some of those were... Yeah, like the, TV characters. I think they all were Buck Rogers, Green Hornet. Green Hornet for sure, yeah. Yeah, he's he just represents that in people. And I think, you know, keeping the public's morale up because they're like, you got yeah. this crazy-ass guy in charge, and he's just like all your heroes. Yeah, he's, he's going to win the war for us. Buckaroo Jones. <laughs> kapow, kapow. Yeah. Because everywhere we go, we're fucking cowboys. He's Superman and Batman ruled into one. Yeah, without the psychological turmoil. Still dead parents, maybe. I don't know. Is his parents dead right now? (laughs) They're still alive. Oh, okay. Never mind. I don't remember. But either either way, he does have some deep-seated problems the way both Superman and Batman do. Yeah. Yeah. They hunker down for the winter, March of 43. Uh, Everyone just kind of sat around, and we pushed, or Rommel pushed into the Kazarine Pass with his Africa corpse. Kazarine is like the main area and battle that you'll learn about if you want to look into torch in the african campaign but the uh with their huge panzer divisions they ended up just dismantling all american forces because the panzers are a better fucking product and they just they okay so the american command was uh of the front was some asshole named lloyd Frendenhall, who nobody ever hears about again because he fucked up what do you do he was in charge of the American front against Rommel in Kasserine. And Rommel was dismantling the American forces to the point where they're like, get the fuck out. Yeah. So Lloyd is fired. And Ike goes, okay, who knows about tanks? Georgie. Yeah. So he comes in to oversee Second Corps, which is like three infantry divisions and one armored. And they just want to be fucking done with Africa. Yeah. So Georgie is promoted to second, or sorry, lieutenant general, which is a three-star general. Right. He shapes up second corps by just literally walking in and being like, "Get up, clean your shoes, get your shit, move it. We're done. We're not fucking off anymore." Yeah. And he saw. He said that the discipline and order under Frenen Hall was ghastly. Right. He said that there were officers just fucking off, and the soldiers weren't taking it. Uh, serious like they're <laughs> i'm in wartime peeing my nails <laughs> i like pink when i'm in africa at least that's how it looked to uh georgie <laughs> yeah as far as he was concerned it was a bunch of little pussies just dicking off if you want to watch the Patton movie which i recommend you do it's the george c scott movie from 1970 it's sort of considered like the Patton. Movie. Oh, i didn't know there was one it's pretty good it, eh, it's like three and a half hours long oh yeah and uh from the 70s so a little different, but as a war movie, it's fucking great. And I'll talk about it more later. The depiction of Patton in it is half great, half bad, like not f- not not factual. Oh, okay. They, they embellish certain things of his personality and then discount others. But Do eh. they make it more romantic for his sake, like more in his favor, or are they just not? It's factually correct, like what happens, but George C. Scott uh, is sort of a uh, Clint Eastwood type. 
Okay. Grizzled, deep voice. And Patton does pre- show that, but he also has a very sensitive side. Right. And a very emotional side. And he also, I haven't mentioned this, he has a very high-pitched voice. Does he really? What's high-pitched? It's not comically high, but it is high when you think about the way he talks to people. So he talks like a, like a tough motherfucker, but it's sort of like, Argh. let me see if I can, can I give it a whack? You give it a whack. I'll play you a bit. Oh, you have a bit? Okay. Let me see if I'm close. There's actually only one All right. recording that I can Go find. forward. Go forward, you fuckers. We're going to win the war. I don't know if I'm close or not. It's pretty fucking close because <laughs> it has like a whiny tinge to it. Yeah. We're going to win. <laughs> So I'll give you a little taste. This is actually the only speech I could find of his that um, exists. Here. Yeah. I don't know. There might be more, but I'm YouTube educated, so there's only so much I can do. Yeah. Of General George Patton. I'm so excited right now. Your Honor, Mayor, General Doolittle, soldiers, soldiers. <laughs> General Doolittle. Ladies and gentlemen, coming over here, there was a very great lesson. The first four hours, we passed over a destroyed land. Utterly destroyed. You who have not seen it do not know what hell looks like from the top. That's what Germany looks like. That's what Austria looks like. That's what any place that the 8th Air Force and the 3rd Army worked on looks like. The 3rd Army. Did you want to do more? Nah, that's good. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not necessarily comically highly said, and yeah. but it's not that gruffy. No. Get in there, boys. Because in the movie, George C. Scott has a very grizzled, like, ugh. Yeah. What you would actually imagine Patton has, but no, he has this, no. It's, it's a little, little more average, higher. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually embarrassed by how high his voice was. <laughs> of course he, he was. He, he wanted to be threatening, but... I love that he loves and hates himself, like, equally. Like, both to the extremes, though. Oh, heavily. Like, he is the best and also the worst. Where, like, if he doesn't immediately succeed in anything, he hates himself. Yeah. And then when he wins, he's like, that's what you should have been doing the whole time. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh on himself. But if you want to watch the Pat movie, this is where the Pat movie starts. When he lands to take over Second Corps and says, you guys need to fucking shape up, where he goes to the mess hall uh, for, like, breakfast. Mm-hmm. So he goes into the mess hall at about 1045, and he's like, why Why are you open? And the cook is like, well, well sir, we, we serve breakfast until 11, like, like McDonald's, it's the American way. Yeah. And he goes, no. Mess hall's open from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., and everyone else will be turned away. Why? So, what? Because he just believes in di- strict discipline. Right. Because he even, uh, this is a scene in the movie, but I read that it's actually true. He asked the cook, he's like, why aren't you wearing a helmet? It's like, because I'm a cook. He's like, $20 fine. What? <laughs> and he just walked through and did that to everybody, where he's like, you know, he'd walk past some guys, and they don't salute him. So he finds them, screams at them, and insists they salute him. Where he's like, if you are in the front, everything is disciplined all the time, always. Yeah. And he shapes them up. Um, I guess that's what they needed, right? In a war. I don't know. I don't I, fucking know. I guess. 
I mean, I'm not the war type. Me either. But uh, someone starts yelling at me for no reason. I'm like, what's going on? Why are you yelling? Yeah. When someone yells at me, I just yell back yeah. and try to like match their volume and then go higher. And I'm like, no, fuck you. I'll kill your whole family. I don't give a shit who you are. Take a you don't tell me. Look, old lady, don't tell me to move my cart. I'll move your cart into your grave. You'll, you'll be in there with the cart? Yeah, I'm going to push her and her cart into her grave. Just on top of her. I'm going to bury you. And all your shitty groceries. What? I, I do get extremely upset uh, shopping. Uh, I ask my wife. It's not. She hates it. We order groceries to my house because. We do too. I yeah. get. It's bad. Well, I. I've ran my cart into somebody else's cart out of frustration. I mean, this. Where you like move? Well, this is a little. Uh, this is not necessarily necessarily something. I always like to talk about because it is embarrassing. But Georgie would do this kind of thing. Yeah. This conduct. Well, well, it, it usually is a buildup. It's not like instantly all of a sudden I just lost my views. It's usually like the whole entire day or whatever, and then I go shopping, and I'm already like sick of it. Mm-hmm. And the one time I, I ran my car into somebody else's cars, because one of my biggest peeves for shopping is when people turn their cart sideways in a smaller aisle, and then they walk away from their cart and go look at something. And to me, all I think is like that's the most inconsiderate thing I can think of. You block the whole fucking aisle. When it comes to shopping, something very simple. All you have to do is move your cart to the side, go look at the thing you want to go look at, you fine. Dick. And of course, they're looking at it like as close as possible, so they're blocking up 10 different items, and yeah. there's someone behind them trying to just get the one thing they need, and they're like, oh, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm oh, no, look. they're looking at the same product but one's diet and they're looking at the back part and yeah and you're like you and so i just start losing it and one time i <sighs> came across the cart and i couldn't get past it and yeah i could have moved the cart nicely and done the thing <laughs> but i was not having a very good day and no. i just rammed it into like it like kept pushing until i was like up against the aisle just <laughs> and the person looked over at me i just kind of looked at him and was like yeah fuck yeah, you. you should move your shit and my poor wife was like brink from pup pup and suds, oh, you can't do this. You're in public, and I go, yeah. But your pup and suds, like you have a you have a quality to maintain. <laughs> yeah, I need a shop. You know, <clears throat> maybe that we're just a spoiled millennial generation. Maybe so. But I think every generation gets violently insane in stores, and we just we tamp it down. Look, that's my father. That's not me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's my father talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, my father's really polite, so he wouldn't probably ever do that. I was going to say, I my dad gets pissed off at stuff too, but I couldn't see him get mad at a store because he's a very considerate person. Yeah. We are assholes. We're yeah. like, why are you inconveniencing me? Yeah, I will murder you. Well, I try to go out of my way to think that way, so I'm like... Yeah, move my cart to the side. Make sure I'm not blocking anything. Like, I'm around other people, That's... so act appropriately. And when exactly. other people don't, and it's inconsiderate, you know, it's... But it is funny to think both of our dads would just politely move that Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad would never ram a Move cart. Move a cart and then walk up to the person and be like, have a nice day. And you and I are like, I'm going to throw <laughs> your shit yeah. into the parking lot. <laughs> I'm going to stick you and your shopping cart in a grave. I'm going to fucking bury your cart and all your stupid shit. Yeah. Maybe there's something wrong with millennials. <laughs> we got some fucking problems. At least shopping is a fucking problem. And that, well, look, we solved it. We now have it delivered to us. Yeah. Okay. I need it brought to me. I don't embarrass myself and my wife anymore because we... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel like normally I'm pretty polite, though, so uh, every once in a while I... Yeah, I'm pretty considerate unless it's the store or traffic or work or social situations. <laughs> 
I'm pretty good. <laughs> Everything, yeah. So I'm good on my porch. <laughs> Unless you call me and say something I don't want to hear. <laughs> What'd you say you would consider asshole? I'll come over there. <laughs> I'll put you and your cart in a grave. <laughs> right now. So, so Patton. Grandma. With him? <laughs> so, uh, General Montgomery, the head English general down there, the, at least the field commander general. Yeah. He's on the southern shore of Tunisia, pushing the Germans up. Then you got the English Colonel Alexander, who's on the northern side, pushing the Germans down. All right, squish them. Georgie's job is to flank and make sure that the Germans don't leave anywhere from the middle and force them all to converge into one spot to just surround them and crush them. Vice grip them to death. Yeah. And the first battle of this campaign for him is called El Gutar, uh, named for the city. And it goes well. The uh, Georgie is actually embarrassed with German tactics once he gets down there. He's like, you fucking assholes. Didn't, you didn't see me coming. You didn't do a good job. I read all the books. <laughs> in fact, in the movie, which I'm just going to keep bringing up when it's accurate anyway, yeah, they run into a tank division of Rommel's and outflank them until the Germans actually freak out and sort of lose where their front is because Americans are on two sides. Yeah. And the Germans sort of go, ah, 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 and we blast them until they run off, and Georgie is so proud. He's like, Rommel, I read your book, <laughs> you fuck. I got your number. And uh, he, Georgie, during this battle, is doing Georgie stuff, going to the front line. Getting hurt. Yelling at commanders, <laughs> getting shot at, uh, cheering on the troops, being like, you Beautiful motherfuckers going to hospitals when there's wounded and shit like that. Oh, does he? He goes and visits the wounded? He does that a lot, actually. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he goes to the hospitals and tries to cheer him up a lot. That's cool. Uh, often when it's like a pretty gruesome uh, wound, he, he will cry a lot or bring in a chaplain and have everybody pray for him. He's very Christian and a thoughtful guy like that. It's so weird that he's like <clears throat> so this headstrong sounding, I need to be in a battle and... Mm -hmm forward 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 and then also quite sensitive in some other ways he not that that's bad he cries a lot yeah he's a very extreme person is this the same person that now you told me in ike about he got yelled at and but, and cried yeah oh yeah same guy yeah ike tries to fire him a couple times that's right and if if uh marshall doesn't come to his aid he goes to Ike's office and just sobs and, yeah. until Ike get... and Ike's like, pull, God, pull, pull yourself together, man. Come on. Pull up your pants. <laughs> Let's win this war, okay? Stop crying at me. I don't have time for this. Yeah. Okay. I just think... I cheated on my wife. <laughs> okay. That's all it is. That's all I I'm just... Talking. I can't go home because she'll tell me about my mistress. <laughs> I need you to have my back. Remember when we were in that sitcom together? <laughs> and we were both bald. Remember that? Yeah, but I'm like your boss now, and the dynamic is off. So That's weird. You're getting my carpet all wet with your weird tears. So <laughs> weird. you're you're still in charge. This time, just go, just go. It's fine. Pull yourself up, man. Um, yeah. He uh, let's see. His personal assistant, Captain Dick Jensen, uh, dies from a bomb. That's a bummer. And Georgie wept uncontrollably at that i only really mention that because yeah we give the idea that he's a hard motherfucker but he's also very sensitive and that's good it's good to have emotions and shit it is i mean he's he, you know he writes poems and yeah only been married to the one woman who he cheated on but mm -hmm. still he's a he's a nice guy yeah well he's not nice but well he feels a lot of things 
<laughs> good or bad, he feels him. Okay, <laughs> trying to seem to give him credit for something. He's like, he's a nice guy. Well, actually, no, he's not. You know what? He's just, he's there, okay? He, he's a guy. <laughs> not a good guy. Not uh, a terrible uh, guy. Yeah. He's a guy. <laughs> well, as uh, as all grown men do, uh, the generals just fight each other about who's better and whose plan is better, which is, is a World War II thing that keeps happening. Um, Georgie was pissed that he had to take a secondary position to guard the English flanks yeah. and thought that he should be in charge. Uh, so he resented Ike for being pro-British. Uh, he thinks that Ike loves the Brits, and he gives him shit for that. Yeah. Uh, the Brits thought the Americans were inadequate because they hadn't fought before, and they were like, he needs to take a secondary position. And Ike is just like, everybody shut the fuck up. I just didn't even make it work. Yeah. So uh, after El Guitar, when Ike's go, go, go tactics blast through this ancient city, he's given command of Second Corps. And he actually gives it to his friend, General Omar Bradley. Not to Georgie. Not to, well, Georgie actually gives his command to, to Bradley. Really? Why? So Bradley works for Georgie at this point. Uh, Bradley is a okay. textbook general. You always know what he's going to do because it's what's in the books. But, yeah. And so Georgie likes him because he's easy to tell what to do. And he goes by the book. Okay. He's like, after we blasted through and pushed Rommel out of Tunisia, uh, the pinching tactic, as they call it, the remaining Germans surrender in May of 43, and Rommel runs up to Italy. So, like, all right, Operation uh, Invade Sicily, which is called Operation Husky. And in his diary, after returning back to Morocco after the pinching maneuver works, just to get his bearings, he says, I've been gone 43 days. I fought several successful battles. I commanded 95,000 men, lost about 10 pounds. <laughs> uh, I gained a third star and a hell of a lot of poise and confidence, but otherwise I'm the same guy. <laughs> oh. So just more of a... He likes to, like, blow up this thing and then at the end be like, but it's really nothing. I mean, it was really amazing, but it's fine. Yeah. This is the best ever, and I'm the same guy, though. Yeah. Well, no, that it always has to end with, but I'm the most amazing, and my dick is great. Yeah, but this is a stupid letter, so it ends now. I don't even know what that was when he said this is a stupid letter. I don't know what the fuck he's trying to say. <laughs> I mean, I try to understand his mind, but I'm like, ugh, I don't even know. Well, uh, the newly approved invasion plan for Sicily called for the 8th Army to land four divisions and one independent Infantry Brigade brigade, <clears throat> along a 50-mile front in southeast Sicily from Syracuse to Pacino Peninsula. Um, at the same time, along the south coast, Patton's forces would make their primary landings at a city called Gela and a city called Scoglitoli. Italian's hard. Yeah. With the 1st and 45th Divisions uh, of Bradley's 2nd Corps. So... They are landing kind of the same where the English are on the southeast side and the Americans go southwest side. And we're like, we're in Sicily now. And it's the same. There's not a lot of Germans there. It's mostly Italians. And the Italian morale at this point is not great. And the Sicilian locals actually don't care for the whole Mussolini thing. So That's the, nice. The Italian campaigns actually go pretty well. 
they're can... like, welcome. Yes. Hey, come fix shit. There's a a base over there. If you just want to bomb it, we don't care for the army. No. Like, great. We just like grapes and shit. Yeah. Um, so they kind of just walk through. I mean, they land on the beach and it goes okay. There's some small German forces that are around, but really, if you just shell the beach before you get there, they run off. They just don't really give a fuck about Sicily. Yeah. But there is a sort of iconic scene uh, of Georgie landing on Sicily uh, with his battle helmet and his two pistols. He has two pistols with uh, ivory handles. Oh, boy. Are they six-shooters? Like, are they, like... Yeah. Yeah. They're the barrel six-shooters. Yeah. He keeps those both on him at all times. I think I've seen this picture of him with them. Pressed suit, all his medals and shit. And with naval support and good old American killing spirit, we just push into Sicily really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, let's see. He got in a little bit of trouble because there were some Italian POWs who who were murdered. Why? About 73. So we took him hostage, but then the 45th Division just murdered them. Shit. Instead. Isn't that like a... It's a war crime. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because Georgie, when he heard about it, was like, yeah, it's war. Fuck. He kind of gave the impression of like... Yeah, that's not great, but less prisoners is less people to feed and worry about, so let's just keep moving. And when it leaked... Yikes. Yeah, he got in trouble, and Ike was like, Dude! Don't commit war crimes. I don't know why I have to say that to you. You're going to go to court after all this, maybe, if you make it. They might put you in... Yeah, Yeah. this is not fake. So that's sort of something he does. Um, There was a brief investigation, but because it was his core... It didn't go that far because he was like, oh, I didn't get that fax. Yeah. I don't even know what you're talking about. Hmm. So eventually uh, the plan in Sicily is to get up to the city called Messina. And Messina is northeast Sicily. So it's right at the tip top of Sicily right before you get into mainland Italy. Okay. So the whole point is for the Allies to just funnel through. Surge through, through Sicily to get up to the top. And... The plan for, it's called Operation Husky, but it was sort of vague because Ike let the British generals call most of the shots because he just wanted the Allies to get along. Yeah. And the British then, of course, wanted to lead everything. So the British were like, we're just going to go on the eastern side of the island and just push up to Messina. You guys just clean everything to the west. It's not that important to us. Yeah. And Georgie saw this as a personally insulting so of he course. was yes, because he's not he's not being talked about. He's not important. <laughs> so he's like, ah, fuck that. So without Ike's command, because he was told to sort of secure the beaches and wait, because they don't care about small little forces throughout Sicily. They just want to get to Messina so they can push into Italy. Yeah. George instead uh, says, "Fuck that! I'm cutting Sicily in half." So he psyched up his men he's like we're going to the very top of sicily on the west side and then we're going to move over uh east and we're going to beat the british to messina is to... he supposed to do this though no like, is it okay that he does this when like... he communicates with ike it's vague where he's like yeah we're uh, we're just killing germs we're pushing through what's up <laughs> yeah and if ike ever has anything to say he's like yes i understand you're upset but we've gathered a lot of land we got some resources i got this at this bridgehead right here, everything's working out really well. Yeah. So that's sort of what ends up happening. Him with George Brad or Omar Bradley, 
push up in through Middle Sicily, which really didn't have a lot of resistance. Yeah. Once they hit the beaches on the north end, there was quite a bit of resistance, and they took a lot of losses. But because George has that go, 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 go attitude, they beat the British to Messina. <laughs> <laughs> they actually did. Yeah. Oh, man. Georgie wasn't there for that personally. He stayed on the western shore in a city called Palermo, and he actually sets up shop at the Royal Palace in Palermo, which you can look up. It's called the Palazzo di Normani, and it is absurdly opulent, just gold and chandeliers. Really? Huge, beautiful, and he thought it was so fucking hilarious that he set up shop there like, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> I'm like a king or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And <Jesus. laughs> uh, military historians postulate about why Georgie did this because he wasn't ordered to yeah. push up through Sicily and, and go up there. It's not seen as tactically important, and so people are like, it's either personal glory ego. or ego, or he had a legitimate military concern where he's like, I don't think the British can do it, and I can, so I should do it. Like, it's a military object, objective, and I'm great, and I should do it. Yeah. So maybe. I, I don't know. They took pretty big losses to get there, but the Germans and Italians took bigger losses. Whatever. Was Ike okay with that in the end? He's like, all right, whatever. He was mad because when they got into Palermo, um, he had a parade for himself. <laughs> Wait, Georgie? Yeah, yeah he did. He's going to taking that chandelier later. This will be well, nice in my house. The English realized what he was doing, and so they tried to hurry to get there to beat him. <laughs> and Montgomery, literally, his forces got there, I think, about 12 hours after Georgie's to witness his his parade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that he's like, he does something he's not really supposed to do. He's doing it because he's like, oh, I bet you I can beat you in a race, bitch. And then he gets there, and then he throws himself a parade. And he's like, this is nice. This is fancy. Look at me. I oh, hey, this. guys. You guys just got here while I'm on my... Hey, Monty, a little late there, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This is this a is, weird guy. Yep. Homeschooled I, I is all over this. It, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> You could like smell it almost. No Homeschooled? social skills at yeah, all. Yeah, I could smell you. Okay, it smells like he's been sitting on the couch for way <laughs> too long. Well, you know, because Ike is military minded, but mostly politically minded. So he was pissed that the Germans were or the British were mad, but he was like, yeah, but he did take the city. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, whatever. All right, let's just continue on. Let's just go. Well, some little side stories from around this time when George would like hang out around the front. There was a shell that was shot and landed literally three feet from him and landed on the ground and ended up being a dud. It didn't, it didn't explode. It didn't go off. Fuck. So he hears it, and he looks over, like, Shit. and it's just sizzling. He's like, huh. And he saw that as divine fate, where he's like, God wants me here. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course. God wants me to conquer. Uh, How does the most unlucky guy, the most fucking just 16 times he gets stitches and shit yeah apparently he was due one at least to be like all right yeah well and this type of thing happens a bunch throughout the war where he barely misses death for just no fucking reason <laughs> i mean if luck is a thing yeah he's a lucky guy yeah i guess he's the luckiest unlucky guy <laughs> yeah i mean he's still an ugly bald motherfucker i don't know yeah but thanks for world war Two. yeah so another fun story is uh, there was one point when he was moving up to the front of where they were in Sicily pre-Messina. I mixed my notes up. Mm. But 
just fun to mention that there was a point when he noticed the traffic was all fucked up, like his troops weren't moving. Yeah. So he physically gets out of his truck, runs up to where the blockage is, and he's like, what's going on? And there was uh, two mules on a bridge <laughs> that refused to budge. And the poor guy who owns the mules is like, come on, the U.S. Army is trying to <laughs> – and he's trying to pull them. And George is like, what? What's the deal? And he's like, they won't move, sir. <laughs> and so George pulls out his pistols and kills them. No way. Pop, pop. And then he orders his men, push them over the side. Let's go. Jesus. And, and the that, poor guy's like, those were my mules. Oh, I bet that poor dude was bummed. That sucks for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sucks. He's like, my family now starve. Thank you. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. We have no mule milk. <laughs> or what? <laughs> mule milk. <laughs> Delicious mule milk. The children suckle fresh, but they can't now. No, they're So dead. they get through the bridge, and yeah, they win. I don't know. Um, uh, that story comes up a lot, so I was like, I should probably mention that. Yeah. Because people are like, it's a good calculation of his character in war where he's like I don't fucking care kill him and let's, let's move. go let's what you, go this is what you guys are waiting for fuck what is the deal let's go um and he cried about it later I killed those mules I bet he did actually oh god why did I do that where he has that J- Jekyll and Hyde thing yeah. once he gets to his tent he's like those Germans didn't mean it they were just kids and those little those mules I just I should write a poem about it <laughs> and then in the morning he's like Ah, <laughs> moving forward, murder. Uh, <laughs> well, the uh, remaining German and Italian forces uh, actually saw uh, Georgie's forces coming to Messina, and they took off for Italy the night before. So when they got into Messina, they didn't really conquer much, so yeah. much as just have a parade. <laughs> this is for me. I am so great. My God, I'm amazing. But I'm sad. <laughs> and he sings a lot in, in Italian for some reason. Yeah. he's in Italy. He does speak some Italian. Does he? Yeah. He speaks French very well. You just see him like riding around and like singing the song where Aladdin enters in with, with his parade and he's just got like <laughs> just bullshit random stuff all around him. Like, yes, this is all about me. <laughs> Hello. Who, who did this? Me. Me. Oh, yes. This is, I'm George Patton. I've won the war. <laughs> well, um, Georgie's victory dance was shortened uh, by an official censure from Ike. So two weeks prior to the Messina victory, yeah, he got recognized and in trouble for two incidences that I'm sure had happened before, but these were the first times that it had been reported. Oh, what were they? During his hospital uh, visits, he slapped some GIs. What? Why? For battle fatigue. What? It's not their fault. <laughs> so the first incident, I, I don't know. I get. I kinda. So he's in a he's in a tent mm-hmm. near a battle zone, and he's looking at kids whose faces are blown off and legs are blown off and Shit. gangrene and screaming in pain. And then he comes to a bunk and there's a kid who's physically fine and just shaking. He's yeah. like, "What's your deal?" Shell shock. And he Shit. says, "I just can't handle it." general my nerves and in response he smacks him pops him in the face yeah and then sort of grabs him by the neck and it's like you get out there and you fight so dick dick move this is the one i think you tell us about on ike right yes i did mention it briefly because it it actually defines the rest of georgie's time in world war ii yeah yeah 
So yeah, dick move. Dick move. Uh, the second incident is really, really terrible. Um, so kind of similar setup. Injured <clears throat> soldiers, injured kids. He feels bad. Sees mm-hmm. a kid who's not injured. And in response, he smacks him w- with his gloves and then with his hands and then with his helmet and then picks him up and shakes him and tries to remove him from the hospital until some doctors have to intervene and separate Georgie from this kid. Oh my God! <laughs> Where he's just screaming. I'm gonna drag you out to the Yellow front. Yellow belly, coward. Yeah. And well, it's Yellow belly, coward. <laughs> you're gonna get out there. What? Are you German? No, you're American. Baseball. Ford. You're gonna be a little pussy. Are <laughs> you gonna be like FDR? And then the boy's like, "Why are you screaming so high pitched? Why are you a cartoon character? You shut up! <laughs> I'll smack you." Well. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. George says... So these both get reported. Yeah. Georgie says that he's not an asshole. I'm not an asshole. No, you guys just don't understand. I wanted to inspire these kids to get back into the front line. By hitting them and... By physically assaulting them. And forcing them out of the tent to go into the front. That's his idea. Yeah. Um, Which I, you know... Uh, I'll I'll tell you this. Both the soldiers um said that they did that they didn't want to. It worked. Yeah, they said they didn't want to make Patton uh, ashamed of them, and they didn't want to let him down, and so they went back to the front. Yeah. Um, and I will say, like I was going to say with context, my grandpa. I asked my dad how he felt about the slapping incident, and he said the same thing. He's like, "Goddamn cowards! Should have gotten back in line." So. Yeah. Again, uh-huh. we're a different generation, and we're like, don't smack me, dick. Well, we're also not military brats or whatever, you right. know, like where, like my father would totally be like, yeah, it's wartime. Uh, men are going to die if he doesn't go out there. Like, Didn't he's you say your, the wreck. your dad was slapped? And dad was punched, yeah. Yeah. He's punched, and he was in drill. So, I mean, I don't think it was like he was even, he, my dad never saw battle, battle. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was in drill camp or whatever, and yeah, he said, sir, yes, sir, out of, out of place. It wasn't the right time. So the guy, his commander, whatever, his yeah. commanding officer, yeah, he said he cocked his arm back, and my dad knew what was going to happen. He's like, yeah, I'm about to get punched, and there's nothing I could do. So he just gritted his teeth and got hit in the jaw. Ugh. And see, that's where I would be able to go into the military. I mean, I don't think this is a, a really normal thing anymore. Um, I asked my dad, no. is that normal? And he's like, uh, you depends on your commander. I mean, they're not supposed to, but yeah. Hey, I think that's, you're not going to go tell on them. That's the other thing is that there's a sense that it's, it's more or less common depending on scenario and commander. Yeah. It's just that George did it at a time when he was under a lot of scrutiny and, and they tattled. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise it wouldn't have been a thing. Probably right. Yeah. In fact, when the Russians heard that story, they laughed and, and called the Americans pussies. And when the Germans heard that story, they didn't believe it. They thought it was propaganda because Georgie was getting in trouble where he was like going to lose his command. And yeah. the Germans were like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you don't take command away like, from a good general for hitting a pussy. Yeah, like we, we you stab shoot motherfuckers, the yeah. And you put the commander in charge. Yeah. So the Germans actually didn't even believe the story. That's funny. So, in context, you're like, yeah, generals smack privates, but because they're in a hospital, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a military guy, so he got in a lot of trouble. I mean, he got in trouble to where Ike was gonna fire him. And put Bradley in charge of all of yeah. Georgie's shit and just sent him home. It wasn't until 
uh, Marshall, who's in charge of the whole American military, was like, maybe he, maybe he has some battle fatigue. Maybe he's fucking stressed. Yeah. Maybe let's let's give him a pass. But by pass, that means that his role in the Italian campaign is none, and his role in the European campaign is negotiable. Yeah. So he goes back to Palermo to his big uh, palace, <laughs> and per Ike's orders, personally apologizes to both privates. Oh wow! Who actually said they were honored to shake his hand and said it's fine. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm only 19. I don't care what happens. Yeah. Um, and then he traveled to every one of his divisions to personally apologize and give his wow explanation. And being Patton, you know, he's a good speaker, and they all respect him, so they all kind of took his side. So it could have been worse, I guess. Yeah. And he also talked shit on the Germans, and that was fun for them. <laughs> I can just see him just adjusting his glasses. Well, I had to stop his screaming. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? You tell me what you do. Yeah. What'd you do? Um, but yeah, that's that's the like now when you read a like a newish military book, that's what people are like. He probably was suffering from battle fatigue. Yeah. And he was stressed out. I'm sure. So smacking him was probably him freaking out as well. It's not his normal character. Yeah. Even though I think it might be. Yeah. Kind of seems like it, but Yeah. So Ike had a meeting with the uh, war press and was like, the story doesn't get out. Um, so how did it get out? <laughs> a couple months later, it got out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, the the American public were not psyched about it. Hmm. That's yeah. weird because I always thought, like, I mean, to me, I had this mentality that this was this the norm. Yeah. Not even not even just the norm, but it was okay. Like, if you got smacked by your commanding officer, like that that happens. Like, yeah, shut up. Don't don't do whatever you did that got yeah. you smacked. Well, it's the same thing. Like, like. Your dad, like that sergeant, was probably like, he's not an asshole. He might be an asshole, but he's more like, this kid needs to shape up. I'm going to scare him. Yeah. And George was just like, this kid just needs to be scared into fighting. <clears throat> That's the military mentality. They don't want you to think. They want you to do orders. Don't you think. can't think for yourself because you nope. might make mistakes and it might get somebody else killed. So do what I say. Even though that also might get you and somebody else killed. Usually. It's supposed to be that you're just. But yeah, if you think too much for yourself, you're going to think, I'm scared. I'm going to run away. I don't want to listen to my commander. I'm going to leave instead of we need to be following commands. We all need to go in because if one person leaves, then other people start leaving and then stuff falls apart. Anyways. Which, which I guess really, yeah, where that line comes down is that it was in a hospital. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But the American press freaked out and uh, Georgie is no longer trusted uh, with his emotional stability and uh, they disband his division. And they are given to General Bradley, and he goes back to Palermo to his palace to um, hang out, cry, yeah, just be a baby, yeah. Georgie sad. Georgie also mad because he thinks that this is Ike. He honestly thought it was like not a conspiracy, but he thought that Ike was so pro-British, and that he was doing such a great job taking away from the British that Ike had to relieve him so the British could get the glory wow this is how he thinks this is some psychological like yeah the ego importance and weird shit very sad you don't put georgie in the corner no one puts georgie in the corner <laughs> i do love thinking about him in this huge palatial palace smoking a cigar just pacing like mm, ike he loves the english so much i'm great and he just oh 
I, I better not take power away from the greatest general of all time. You motherfucking, I'll slap all of you. And then someone's like, you okay, George? Oh, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I was just, uh, I'm not, I'm not angry. No, I'm just, not hitting anyone. Just reading Shakespeare. Son of a bitch. Motherfucking son of a goddamn bitch. Eisenhower! <laughs> Well, uh, he sort of hangs out in his palace for a little, several months uh, because Ike doesn't trust him to do things. I don't think Ike was personally pissed about the slapping. He was mad that it leaked, and then he's like, now I have to talk to the press? You're just a pain in my ass, so stay in your palace and shut up. Yeah. So he sort of hangs out there, and a fun little bit from that time is that the comedian Bob Hope, who uh, Bob Hope was huge about going to the front and like, oh, yeah. Yeah, giving comedy shows, he stopped by the palace and had a nice dinner with, with Georgie. And he actually said, his quote was that old blood and guts was far more charming than presented publicly. And I could get him a week at a theater doing comedy. <laughs> That's awesome. He thought that Georgie was great in, in sure person. Georgie loved that too. Oh my God. Don't, like, and I'm funny too. And I'm funny. Don't say things like that to a guy like that. <laughs> I'm so charming and he'll, funny and smart. He'll just start telling terrible jokes and being like, huh? Huh? Is it funny? Huh? Bob Hope says it's funny. You think it's funny? <laughs> it's funny, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, he hangs out with the local Sicilians, uh, and then in his journals complains that they are fat and inbred. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> he goes Jesus. to see the pyramids of Giza on a quick leave just to see them and says that the locals are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he goes... On a fake reconnaissance around northern Italy, which is actually fun. This is like a real thing where the Germans know Patton now. They know who General Patton is, and they're like, that guy's no joke. He's all offense. We're kind of worried about what he's doing. So Ike sent him to northern Italy on a boat. It's like outside of northern Italy to make it look like he's planning an assault. He's just chilling. He's not doing anything. He's just holding binoculars up and be like, Oh, let me point at this fucking thing. So the Germans think that's happening, even though the British are attacking much lower. Um, and he fucking hates being a diversion. He feels <laughs> like... Used upon. Yeah. Not important. Not important and uh, not leading men to death. Yeah. Um, he is... Uh, in January of 44, Ike calls him back to England, and he's actually not told why. And he... Finally has a meeting with, with Ike after a couple of weeks. Like Ike literally is like, come to this place I got for you in Scotland. And just wait. Shh. Shh. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. And but so. Ike, but I, Ike, Ike, Ike. Um, Bob hopes it. Hey, Ike. Shh. Shut up. Okay, yeah, but I'm just. So. No, shut. Go over there. Okay, yeah. So I have this <laughs> joke. You stop. I'm going to hit you. Don't do that. The get pu- you in trouble. The public will hear about it. <laughs> the public will hear. They won't hear I'm gonna about bury this. You. I'm going to bury you with your cart. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut the fuck up, George. So he finally gets a meeting with Ike. Ike is like, okay, you're a good general. You run your mouth. You make everybody pissed off. But you're a good general. So you're not in charge of the American front in Europe. Uh, the American front is going to be run by me. And General Bradley, you get Third Army. You play a backup position to Bradley. And he go, and Georgie's like, oh, something. Okay. You're second string. Yeah, and honestly, th- he hasn't actually been in charge of a whole army yet. 
He's been in charge of divisions and corps. He's in charge of Third Army, which is 42 divisions of Im- infantry, armored, and airborne. It's a huge... Third yeah. Army is huge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's about as big as First Army, which is what Bradley is in charge of. And Georgie's like... At least I'm in charge of something. I just want to kill people. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so he's up in England, and he's in charge of putting Third Army together. It's like half ready. The rest are freshly trained guys from America shipping over to England. Be like, brand spanking new. We're under patent. This is great. Damn. Third Army does not cross the channel for D-Day. Right. That's Bradley's army that does that. It's actually Georgie who's going to play second fiddle to Bradley after Normandy. So wait, it, your grandfather was under Patton. Was he under him at what point? I was actually going to say right now. Oh, That's my God. so Jesus. funny. That's the it's next weird. thing in my notes. Fuck. My grandpa was shipped over to England around this time when Third Army was about being built. Shit, dude. And they are in – I just wrote this down because it's I – hope my. I hope ghosts aren't real. So I, my grandpa's not around because we immediately just said, you joined Third Army, which is a very honorable position. Mm. And my joke is that Third Army's HQ is set up in Peover and Nutsford, <laughs> which is south of Manchester. <laughs> I'm a terrible... Sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> terrible grandson. So uh, did your grandfather ever say anything about to your father about what he felt about Patton um, as far as the... Him hitting people or anything? Oh, or... the slapping? Yeah. Well, at least that incident, he said that the privates were cowards and they should have been slapped. That's what your grandfather said? Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Was your grandfather hard-ass? Do you know? I mean, I never met him, but yeah, according to my dad, yeah. Yeah. Very hard-ass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, World War II guys who come back, they just look like they're made out of steel and you're a little bit nervous around them. Yeah. 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 There's a few, because I, I used to work at a restaurant and we had like regulars there were a few that would come in with their veterans' hats. Right, right. And when they're World War II veterans, you can tell because they look like Skeletor. But mm-hmm. So physically, you're like, that guy's got a broken hip and, and his mind isn't all the way there. But you look at him, you're like, I couldn't take him if I wanted to. Yeah. These guys are steely. Yeah. That's <clears throat> what I take away is how my grandpa was. He, they saw some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, here in Nutsford. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. He gave a speech to his officers. He said, uh, he detailed that uh, men love war, and war will never end. So only goddamn cowards run from it. We are going to meet war on a, on a mythical level in which war is a concept that humans don't stop with, and we are here at day one of war today, meaning we will kill them with guns, we will beat them with socks full of shit, if we have to. The real quote from him, I was paraphrasing there. Mm-hmm. Well, socks full of shit, he did say. Did he really? Yeah. That's the part I thought you were paraquoting. Nope. He said socks full of shit. And he did say goddamn cowards will run from war even though yeah. it's a concept that you can't run from. Right. Which I thought was interesting hmm. uh, and depressing. Yeah. But the real quote is, we are fighting to defeat and wipe out the Nazis who started all this goddamn son of a bitchery. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. And he's like, we're going to do this. Bitchery. So, uh, military historians gush over Third Army. Um, if you are a World War II nerd, you don't need to listen to me because I won't say things you don't already know. This is the big one for Patton right here. Yeah. Coming up. Third Army's a big deal. Third Army was known for being so strictly disciplined that it was scary. 
and they were always well dressed. Like even when they're on the front, they're wearing fucking ties, and uh, they always had a bunch of medals. Georgie was very into giving medals because yeah. he thought it was good for morale. Um, very well trained. They were always briefed on other fronts, fronts that they didn't have a mission for. Because he's like, in case we get sent there, you're always ready. Yeah. So they're always... Third Army is a pretty impressive uh, operation that he ran. We talk a lot of shit. He's a good general. Yeah. That's true. So uh, Kate Summersby, who I talked about in the Ike episode, Kate Summersby is Ike's mistress. Right. And his uh, like driver. She had a fun quote about him that I wrote. About Patton? Yeah. She said that he is, um, oh, he's a man's man, a real soldier, and yet he unflailingly treated women with an 18th century flourish. Patton at once displayed that old world gallantry, which all of his biographers seem to have missed. When he shook hands and bowed, everything was there but a continental kiss of the hand. There was no hint of the expected American backslap or the wolfish eye. Wolfish eye. All he needed was a cavalier's cape and a sword. Boom! You can just hear the American theme song behind. America, America, I gotta cut that out because it's gonna sound very disrespectful. That's I just don't know the words. That's a pussy ass song, though. Oh, is it? Patriotism is dumb. Yeah, I kind of agree, so anyways. Well, that's what Kate thinks. Uh, My favorite time from uh, his time in Third Army. So last last episode, I talked about my upcoming uh, sitcom, Ike and Georgie. Right, right. This episode, I'm advertising my upcoming series of children's book called Georgie Gets a Puppy. Mm -hmm. So a MIA, a missing in action airman, had a bull terrier, and they... The guy's missing, and they're like, I don't know. And George was like, I like dogs. So they brought the bull terrier to George, and he named him William the Conqueror. That's cool. But William ended up being a little bit more of a pussy than not. So George changed his name to Willie. (laughs) And he tried to train him to be tough, but he literally tried to train him to be mean. That's weird. And Willie wasn't receptive to that. He just wanted to lick. He's a puppy. He just wanted to lick people. Yeah. He just wanted to cuddle. So Willie is actually with Georgie throughout the rest of the war, and all his men called him Private Willie. <laughs> That's and he, cool. he followed Georgie around. Uh, there was a staff member that was in charge of taking care of Willie, which was mostly just to not like eat everything and tear shit up because he wasn't, wasn't well-trained. Yeah. He's a good boy, though. Yeah. Um, there is a picture of Georgie ordered his staff to throw Willie a birthday party. And there's a picture of that if you want to Google it. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. It's not a joke. That's so cool. Willie in the war is my favorite of all this. Because <laughs> Willie, he just seems like a nice guy. Yeah. He just wants to hang out. Yeah. Hey, George. What you guys up to, huh? What's up? Oh. Can I have some uh, spam or whatever we got going around? <laughs> well, uh, Georgie's almost fired again for running his mouth. About what? He was up in Scotland training the Third Army mm-hmm. and didn't claims he didn't know that this was going to be on the record, even though there were microphones in front of him. He gave a, a speech to a Scottish group of people about, well, first of all, he said he, that he took immense joy in sending Germans to hell. Okay. And how the Americans and the English were, rest, were destined to rule the world. Ooh, that's weird. And he didn't mention the Russians 
And in response, there was actually a public outcry yeah. where Ike was like, our Russians are our actual allies, and if you don't acknowledge that, you're being a dick, and it hurts the war effort. Yeah. Churchill and Marshall didn't give a fuck about this comment because they were like, eh. Whatever. We're working on overload. We don't care. Yeah. It was Ike who was super pissed off because Ike is kind of more of a politician than a war guy. And it it wasn't until Marshall told him, told Ike, like, look, I know it's Georgie. He's going to say stuff. But if you like how he does shit on the ground, let's just go. Let's just stop. Let's yeah. just go. So Ike almost fired him for that. And it was another one of his, like, in the meeting room, like, but Ike, we're, we're friends, and you fuck the Russians, and it was—he's almost got fired again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So instead of being part of Project Overlord to cross the English Channel, Georgie is in part is in charge of Operation Fortitude South. Operation Fortitude South is the uh, the fake army thing. Oh, right, right, the uh, Ghost Army. Ghost Army, yes. So Georgie is super mad that he's in charge of a fake army, but that's... That's the cool one. That's what it is. Yeah, it's awesome. So they have a bunch of blow-up tanks, tanks, rubber tanks, rubber tanks, rubber trucks. They have actual like buildings full of soldiers, like Third Army soldiers there, sending each other radio transmissions of, of coordinates and plans, Fake coordinates. And... All fake. Yeah. And it's to create the illusion that the... Allied army was going to cross at the Padakali. Yeah. Well, so in England it's called East Anglia, but they're going to cross over into Padakali. Yeah. In, in France, which is the shortest distance on the channel. Which makes the most sense if you were trying to. Yeah. Not be in the water that long. But Pat Patton actually said, like, if we were going to invade, let's invade there. It's the shortest distance. Like that's what they're going to expect, though, bro. Yeah. Luckily, somebody intervened and said that. Like, oh, they're going to think that. Let's make them think that we're doing that. Yeah. So they had a fake army up there. And it is funny. My my grandpa was part of that operation, and he actually talked to my dad about how he didn't know it was a deception. Like, oh, really? That's cool. I mean, really, you don't you don't tell the lower guys that. No, of course, yeah. You just, you just say, go do the thing over there. We're training. Come with me. I need you to blow up this tank. Yeah. Don't ask. Don't ask why. Blow it up. Yeah. And then come to this shack and answer radio messages about bullshit. Yeah. About Hedy Lamar. I was about to say. Yeah. But so you got this going on because you got this going on. Juan's doing his thing. He's matching up with the stuff that they're yeah. doing. Hedy Lamar already kissed a bunch of guys to raise crazy amount of money to be able to pay for all of this. <laughs> Not really, but yeah. 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 And that this is this is what I got from my dad. He said that uh, his grandpa was like, as part of basic training, they used some kind of huge early version of an air compressor to blow up fake Jeeps and tanks and half-tracks. And he didn't know why. He confessed that it was long after the war that he realized <laughs> what it was doing. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like, I didn't know what the fuck. Yeah. Just do what you're told to He's do. He's like, I thought it was weird as shit, but yeah, my commander said do it. So I was like, all right, this is a weird like, War got weird. I did not think that the war involved balloons, but I'm having fun. <laughs> Mattery's all like, is this the tank I have to drive? They're, they're out of money. Shit, this is my tank. Oh, God. <laughs> um, are they supposed to be metal? or? Hey, shut gonna... up, shut up. Blow it up, blow it up. Oh, oh. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, shit. <laughs> the Germans are going to. I think my commander might be crazy. He wants me to go make these weird reports that aren't real. Can <laughs> you imagine like rubber tanks? Like, We're going to fight them with rubber Yes, yes, just go do it. Quit asking. You don't ask questions. Go do the thing. Yes, sir. Oh, God, we're going to die. Oh, God. 
And it's only Patton that could make you do that. <laughs> yeah. like, do it anyway! <laughs> <laughs> so, after the fake army, which works, by the way. Yeah. It's actually called the most complex and successful deception operation in the entire history of war. It was brilliant, really. It we really... go a lot into it with Ike. We go a little bit with Pooj. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like it would work. But it totally does. It does. Yeah. Like, yeah. really well. Because the Germans were thinking that, too. Like, yeah, of course they're going to cross here. It's the quickest point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's get all our forces right here to meet them. And so they were not ready for Normandy. Yeah. Although, of course, uh, Rommel did still outfit the beaches, really fortify the shit out of it. Jesus, dude. Just like crazy. But still, they were looking the wrong direction. And then Rommel also went away during Normandy. He, I- like... It sort of seems like he was trying to save him, save face. Like, oh, I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe so. I think he was actually at his uh, wife's birthday or some shit. Seriously? Yeah. And they called him. They called him back. So when he was coming back, that's when the uh, Pooj sent out a letter, being like, "No, no, no, that's a diversion. Go somewhere else." And then they sent the, they sent the uh, reinforcements to the wrong area. God damn it, Pujol. Yeah. He he could think three steps ahead. Yeah. And then, and then deceive. So the whole thing... I can't think once of it. Yeah, me either. Jesus, fuck. That man. whole deception between that ghost army and all the... Cause there's other spies helping, too, of course, sure. besides Pooj. But with all that, that's that's why... I mean, Normandy, I know if you watch the movie on Saving Private Ryan, yeah, it's horrific. And they uh, that's obviously just, I mean, them trying to recreate a horrific scene. But oh, it man. could have been far worse. It could have been so much worse. I, uh... I, I watched, um, I want to get the name right. There, there's a guy uh, who was in Normandy, and he had never told his Normandy stories because, like, like those guys, they don't like telling those stories. Yeah, it's too, uh, too gruesome, too much. But he turned, like, 95, and he was, tried to write a book, and he's like, I can't write a book. I'm just – so he just – he literally, like, called CNN and was like, I just wanted to tell you guys my story because I might die soon, and I'm not going to write it down. Yeah. It's uh, – Frank DeVita, and he was the driver, like the the engine driver of those uh, transports that landed the troops onto the beach. Yeah. Where the doors drop. And then they just got oh, shot at by the beachheads. He wasn't the driver. He was the guy who unlatches the door. Fuck, dude. So the first drop, he said literally uh, everybody but like two guys just oh, yeah, killed. Yeah, shot and he tried to close the door, but there were bodies in the way. So him and the two guys who were alive went and, like, pulled the bodies down so they could close the door and went back to the main ship. And he did that, like, two or three times where he was like, what is the point of this? Yeah. And he got back on, like, the fourth time, and the captain was like, um, the German guns, the barrels heat up, and they have to stop shooting. Yeah. So you'll hear them shoot, and you'll hear a pause. That's when you open the door. Shit. Okay? Get everybody out, close the door, and come back. And so he started doing that, and then he was like, oh, then they made it to the beach. But then, once they made it to the beach, the barrels had cooled down, and then they got shot on the beach instead. Yeah. And so, listen to Frank DeVito, but you can YouTube. His story is horrific. Yeah. Uh, He claims to have taken 16 of those trips and gotten, (laughs) I don't know, eight guys on the beach or some shit. Like, right on Normandy, man. Didn't go well. Yeah, but it could have been 
Could have been worse. Yeah. Could have been worse. Uh, luckily, Georgie wasn't part of any of that. Uh, I think he would have wanted to be, but he was not invited. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, at least for the American troops on, on uh, Normandy, like uh, Omaha and Utah Beach. Right. Which is the, the operation names. Uh, that was Omar Bradley, who used to work for Georgie, but now is in charge of Georgie right. slightly. Um, now we are on to, I will say, the speech. Um, George Patton is often remembered for this speech, which he gave his men. It was before D-Day, even though they weren't invited to D-Day. Right. But they had a plan to play after everybody landed. So he gives this big speech to everybody, to all his men and all his staff, to try and get them psyched up. And it's a big part of the movie, and it's a big part of his historical whatever. He's a good speech guy. Yeah. And it's long. So look it up if you want to. I'll give you some snippets. Cool. I like snippets. Men, this stuff we hear about America wanting. Oh, I should do the voice. Wanting to stay out of the war. Sorry, that's annoying. <laughs> stuff about America wanting to stay out of the war is a lot of bullshit. All real Americans love the sting and clash of battle. All through your army career, you men have bitched about what you call this chicken shit drilling. That is to ensure instant obedience and orders to create alertness. I don't give a damn for a man who is not always on his toes. Now, why, by God, I actually pity those poor sons of bitches that we're going up against. This individual heroic stuff is a bunch of shit. The bilest bastards who wrote that kind of stuff for the Saturday Evening Post don't know any more about real battle than they do about fucking. <laughs> oh, man. Thank God that at least 30 years from now, when you're sitting around the fireside with your grandson on your knee and he asks you what you did in the Great War, you won't have to say that you shoveled shit in Louisiana. Oh, fuck. This is how, this is how he gets him psyched. Yeah. This is how he does it. Pump up. Yeah. So on July the 6th, uh, after, after D-Day on 1944, Georgie with Third Army and Willie very quietly in the middle of the night crossed the channel to go join Bradley's first army HQ. Yeah. Uh, Georgie said at this time, I'm proud to be here to fight beside you, Bradley. Uh, now let's cut the guts out of the Krauts and get the hell to Berlin. <laughs> let's go. Forward. Go, go, go. I'm not fucking around. So uh, after being debriefed, George observed that the other generals were like dangerously close to World War One trench stalemate. Oh, really? So it's a lot of the... Um, um, those big fucking bushes they got in Normandy. They call them hedgerows. Oh, okay. I remember that word from the uh, Led Zeppelin song. Hedgerows. If there's a hedgerow in your town now, don't be alarmed now. Yeah, if, the, if there... If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, Bam! don't be alarmed now. It's just a sprinkling for the May Queen. Queen. Which I don't know what the May Queen is. That whole song is... Secrets, <laughs> I guess. I don't know what he's talking about. Me either. Somebody told me it was about Lord of the Rings, and I, I don't like to admit nerdism. We all know this now. Yeah. But I am read the Silmarillion. Yeah. Read Lord of the Rings several times. None no. of that song makes any fucking sense to me. Yeah. I don't know what it's about. Yeah. I think it's about being on on LSD. Yeah. Probably right. Yeah. And fucking underage girls. 14-year-old girls, I'm about to say. <laughs> That's what Led Zeppelin got into. Yeah. Black magic and 14-year-old Signism, girls. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so they're in these hedgerows, and 
Georgie actually said that he thinks that all the other commanders are forgetting the first lesson from Napoleon, which is that the goal of war is not to take ground, but to destroy the enemy. Yeah. So a lot of times in war, people will take ground and they'll be like, great, I don't have to freak out anymore. And we can just secure and set down. And then tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. That's know, not how it's maybe good, the, though. Maybe the day after tomorrow, we'll, we'll go push him out. So you set up shop and they set up shop and you get trench warfare and attrition. Yeah. Georgie was like, hedgerows suck to get through, but if we don't keep pushing, we're going to end up in a stalemate. Yeah. So Keep them on the run. Keep them backing up. Always. Yeah. yeah, make them fucking nervous. Along with Bradley, they come up with what's called Operation Cobra, which is to use our air power to bomb about three miles ahead of our line. Behind them. Everywhere. Yeah. And like, then you push forward. You push forward. Yeah. Into the the ash, really. Yeah. Uh, because you're hoping those bombs will make them run back, and then you just keep pushing the line. Right. And it f- super fucking works. So there... for maybe some of the occasional uh, friendly fire, but yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, air, yeah, air bombing is going to do that. Unfortunately, every once in a while, their coordinates are not exact, or not everyone's meeting up on the same page. But yeah. Hey. It still works in the sense of what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, a few casualties here and there. Who, who's who's six or seven 19-year-old kids? Or 6,000 19-year-old kids? Yeah. They weren't going to be good at baseball anyway. Well, it's, you know, at the same time, one could argue, and this is probably a terrible argument, that better to die while trying to get the goal of what they're doing than to die in a trench war mm. where they just stuck. Well, at least this one, they're continuing to still push forward. Isn't war logic hilarious? It's terrible. I hate it, which is why I would it's never be a good military hilarious. guy. Ever. I, don't, I don't think I would either. Yeah. No. I talk a lot of shit about being cold, and I am cold, but, but not not like that. No, I couldn't send a bunch of kids to die just to for an objective. I don't think. Me either. No, I don't think so. I'd rather sit on my porch and eat hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And if the terrorists come, I'll be like, "You want a hot dog? <laughs> we don't have to hate each other. Let's yeah. have a hot dog. Oh, you don't eat pork? I got turkey dogs. Oh, you got ketchup with that? Hell yeah, man. Oh, okay, let's go. You know who I think's cool? Allah. Got some nice things to say. Let's go inside and talk about it. That's my plan. Or whoever. This is why we're not in the military. <laughs> Fucking A, man. Fucking A. Well, uh, Operation Cobra works pretty crazy, which I read I read that what Bradley would do is he would actually on a map draw out where our line is at and take two fingers and put it ahead of that and go bomb there. <laughs> he called that far? Felt that far. He called it his two finger plan. He's like, bomb. Uh, yeah, right there. That's funny. That's how far we're going. <laughs> and every every day or every couple days after an operation would go well, it'd be like, all right, so we're here, two fingers, cool. Let's let's go here. <laughs> Shit. And with first army and third army, they would just blow up the front line and move in. And so they have the two sections uh, when they land. As you have on the west side, you have the French province of Brittany. Mm-hmm. And then on the east side, you have the French province of Normandy. Right, right. And we want all of it. Yeah. But Normandy is the primary place where the Germans are. Georgie has it in his head that Brittany needs to be cleared out. Because he's like, I don't know who's up there. Let's clean it out. Yeah. And Bradley's a little bit iffy about that. But Georgie is like, it's fine. Give me your Cobra shit. I'm old blood and guts. Let's go into Brittany. Really, I think... Georgie knew that First Army is in Normandy a lot. The English are a little bit atop of that in Normandy as well. And he just doesn't want to be crowded. 
He wants to be unleashed. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, in Georgie's mind... Like I'm not going to get anything if I don't do something. I can't get a news story if I'm competing. Yeah. So old blood and guts is unleashed because he's like, now let me take Brittany. And they're like, we don't need it. He's like, now you do. He's like, wow, we don't want to get you know, hit from behind. Come on. Think about your flank. Think about your flank. What about your flank? I'm like, <laughs> All right, okay, that's fine. So in uh, August of 44, he gives a speech to his officers where he says... I don't want to get the message that we are holding our position because uh, we're not holding anything. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding anything except the enemy. We're going to hold him on his nose and kick him in the ass. <laughs> so Such a weirdo. <laughs> hold him on his nose and kick his kick ass. I think physically that wouldn't really work. God, he's such a homeschooled the, guy. The f- <laughs> I can hear it so much. You're like, what does that even mean, dude? Yeah. You play too much Nintendo. <laughs> how many, how many, let's be honest, how many pairs of breasts have you seen? <laughs> how many? Come on. How many? The the one? Yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> you are weird. I wish I didn't ask. Fuck. I just feel sad now. <laughs> well, uh, they move in, and Jar- er, Georgie is pushing about 200,000 men with 40,000 vehicles Literally as fast as that group of people can go. Yeah. Where he's in the front just like, go! Ha! Ha! Low shit. <laughs> I hit the microphone. <laughs> and the Britney push took longer than expected because it, there were actually more uh, defenses there than they anticipated. So it might have been a good thing that you pushed for that, eh? Yeah, because they're like, there's a good force just hanging out up here. Yeah. And historically, people say that tactically it feels like it wasn't worth it, but... I think it was because, yeah, it, it really does protect their behind them. Yeah. If if they're pushing through they Normandy. You exactly. get the same clap, clap, what is it called? Pinchers. Pinchers. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to get the same results or, reversed. Uh, or, or a vice. You don't want that yeah, shit. Yeah, you don't want both sides of you. Which maybe that was Georgie's thing. It's like, we don't want to create that. So he keeps going, and the Britney campaign actually ended up being hard enough that Bradley told Georgie, like, Maybe they just pull out. Like, all we're really interested in Normandy anyway. We just want to get to Berlin. Yeah. And they decided that they wouldn't because they said the American perception needs to be that we never lose. Yeah. We need to strike fear into the German heart. And Georgie is also like, I need to strike fear into everybody. <laughs> the, the English, the Italians. My own men, Czechoslovakia, whatever. whoever's reading the news in Greece. Yeah. Whatever. Patton's here. Yeah, he has to make people fucking like... Oh, no. <laughs> so they push through. Uh, it takes longer than it should have. But uh, they kill and kill and kill until, yeah, the German the German setup in Brittany is charred. It's done. And there's a fantastic quote in during one battle after there is literally just a field full of burning, charred bodies. Ugh. Georgie turned to his assistant and said, just look at that. Is there anything more magnificent than that? Jesus Christ. And that's real. I didn't make that that's up. That's so crazy that, like, I see, a, I can't see the, get into that. He loves it. That's Yeah. It's a little bit, uh... Oh, battle. A little sick, but... Battle! Um, Georgie often would order his flanks bombed uh, to... So... Tank divisions, tanks are supposed to be like a support to the infantry or maybe like a back and forth, like sometimes one's in front and sometimes the other. Tanks and infantry are supposed to be like together or whatever. Yeah. 
But it's supposed to be trained as like an infantry type of uh, offensive. And infantry 101 is to check your flanks, your sides. Yeah. Don't, don't be a, don't be taken by surprise. Georgie, during this Third Army offensive throughout France, didn't ever look at his flanks. He literally wouldn't send reconnaissance to look at his flanks. Why? He, before they would move forward, he would send an air and just say, bomb our flanks, and then come back and we're moving in. So he never knew 100% that his flanks were secure. He was just so obsessed with going forward. Forward. Which can move so fast, fast. they can't fucking do anything. Yes. And some people will say it's because he's a psychopath. And some people will say it's because his point is that if you get to the enemy before you even think, before they even think you could reach them, and then scare the they fuck can't out flank of them. You. Yeah, they can't flank you. They can't flank you if they can't ever get their bearings. Yeah. So, genius, crazy. I don't know. Maybe on the crazy side and lucky. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's crazy and lucky. If someone was watching close enough of what was going on, they could probably. Have possibly sent in somebody eventually and be like, yeah, go for the flanks right away and go earlier than you think because he's pushing hard and fast. Exactly. Like hard and fast works as long as your men aren't exhausted and you have resources. Yeah. But eventually you're going to run out. Of gas. Then he has to go back all the way. (laughs) He literally does here actually. Again? Yeah. Oh my God. So joking. (laughs) They, uh, they get Brittany. They turn East, start moving by August. They take Orien. Or Orlean. Orléans. Orléans. <laughs> uh, Third Army also takes a French city called Le Mans. Uh, Chartres? Chartres? Chartres. Chartres. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> also a city called Dre, which are all main large cities up in uh, Normandy yeah. area. Sort of south Normandy. Yeah. Because he's moving into Lorraine, which is over there. Um, Hitler... Ever the war genius, uh, wanted to trap the Allied forces that were south of Paris by pushing his army out into the open fields of Normandy. So Hmm. you have some armies north of Paris, and you have some armies south of Paris. Right. And the Germans are in Paris. And Paris is kind of almost in the middle of France, but a little bit north of middle. Like it's north middle. If you were to touch the middle and then move up north, then you're hitting Paris. Bam. And we're kind of on either side. So he decides to push his army out past Paris to, what is that, wrap, he's trying to wrap around one of them or both of them? What is that? Military historians say that his plan must have been to go either north or south. Yeah. Probably south because there was less of a south. But then he's kind, of, he's kind of surrounding himself, isn't but he? But all that actually happened is first and third armies just sandwiched him. Sandwiched him and closed the gap. Yeah, that seems like obvious. Even, I'm not a... I'm not a military tactician, but that seems like a stupid idea that he did that. No. He How was that going to work? He literally pushed his forces out, created a dick just east of Paris. They got really thin First, they got squished. and third armies dick slapped him. Yeah. Closed the gap, and the Germans ran back to the scene like, ah! <laughs> Why did our genius tell us to do this? Yeah. He's such a genius, but nobody recognizes it because it never works. <laughs> what kind of genius he, is that? He had a reason. There was a good reason. We just don't see it. Him and God know it. Yeah. Him and God. Not me or the Jews, but <laughs> somebody. Yeah. So uh, Georgie finds this just so goddamn hilarious because he's like, <laughs> <You> idiot. <laughs> the guy we're up against is a, he's douche. a dumbass. He doesn't know shit, and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to grab him by the nose and kick him in the ass. He And he wants to. Yeah, he tries very hard to get to Berlin as quickly as possible. He wanted to 
have a one-on-one with Hitler. Hitler and Rommel. He talked about that. Did he? Yeah, during the African campaign. I could kick his ass. He wanted to have a one-on-one battle with just him in a tank and Rommel in a tank. That's like, such a weird. Whoever wins decides this battle. <laughs> That's a weird-ass fucking. He homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Maybe maybe they'll be into that. Hey, you want to do a one-on-one tank battle? Rommel, I got a plan. <laughs> It'll be way quicker. I'm way better than you. I guarantee it. You don't believe me? Get in your tank. Get in it. Do you remember uh, when guys would fight with, like, swords? <laughs> That's what I'm into. What are you into? I read your book. Hey, you on Instagram? No. No. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Fuck me, I guess. I'm just the greatest war general of all time. He's a pussy. That's why he doesn't want to do it. Dick. You you know me? (laughs) I I was in Time Magazine. What's up? Hey. What's up, what's up? I cheat on my wife sometimes. (laughs) Uh, By August of 26th. So, I don't think I've detailed this correctly. Okay, why? I'm going to give you a quick recap. I don't know, I do that in my notes sometimes where I feel like something hasn't been said enough. Okay. I want you to... Envision northern France. Sure. Third Army comes in, goes uh, west and north through Brittany, and goes all the way down south, goes over to France, or sorry, Paris, under Paris. Yeah. The Germans push out of Paris. He goes up, kills them. Yeah. Pushes over east into Normandy, meets back up with First Army, and what the numbers come out to is that Third Army is reported to have lost about 2,000 guys dead, about 9,000 wounded, about 1,800 missing. The Germans in this campaign are said to have lost 16,000 killed. Oh, shit. 55,000 wounded. Third Army took 65,000 Germans captured. Wow. So, you know, we talk a lot of shit, but he gets results. He, He gets the job done. He does. Um, around this time, Paris is liberated by the Free French Second Armored Division, which is a, the French still had an army. It wasn't amazing, but they did a good job. They, yeah. They, they liberated Paris. Uh, the only thing George had to say was that he was jealous that it wasn't him. Oh. <laughs> it should have been me. should have been me. It should have been me! <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Well, uh, Willie is having a really great war. Oh, yeah. How's Willie doing? He's following his daddy around while they kill the Germans. Yeah. Uh, I did read that he had a run-in with some bees. Like, he, he ran into, there were some bees, and he got stung. Oh. But he's a good boy. He didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know. Uh, he did unbury a German body. Oh, my God. <laughs> eh. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm hoping he got a femur bone out of it. I don't know. Oh. Oh, no. He's a good boy. He's, he's a good boy. He deserves a good bone. Oh. Yeah, this is gonna Awful. be my this is gonna be my kids' book. <laughs> <laughs> well, by early September, Third Army, um, probably with Georgie on the front of a the front tank, just screaming to the God of War, like Nah! Yeah, uh, they practically skip through southern Normandy uh, up into Lorraine, practically up to the border of Belgium. Uh, all the armies kind of regroup in Verdun. Verdun is a city in Lorraine. And it's all the generals, Ike, Bradley, Monty. They're like, all right, what are we going to do? Georgie, ever looking forward, actually secretly moves divisions into Belgium. What do you mean secretly? Like 
Didn't tell anybody. He just did it without an order. Wasn't supposed telling to. Anyone. Oh, boy. He always wants to be in front. Until <laughs> those divisions ran out of gas. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this is what you're talking about where that happens again. So what happened when they ran out of gas? So he tried to force Ike to give Third Army more supplies by saying, um, my men are actually already in Belgium. I don't, I don't know where all your other guys' shitty-ass forces are. We're already in Belgium. I don't know. Yeah, you guys are taking forever, so we're there. Yeah, so your your quota about gas is, like, fine or whatever. I'm already in Belgium. If you want to give me all the gas, I can get to Berlin, like, I don't know, Tuesday. <laughs> Jesus, Pat, just go, go, go. Just Tuesday, maybe? Do you want me to just hurry? So Ike, of course, was like, fuck off. Maybe yeah. come leave Belgium because that's not where we're at. Like, we are a whole group and you are being an asshole. Yeah. So this becomes a thing where he keeps pushing past the line and literally running out of gas. Hey, look, we're in Antarctica now. <laughs> so uh, I don't know where you guys are. We just ran over everything. So anyone that was in our way. So we came to this place where these guys were like, uh, no, we're Norway. We're like friends of yours, and I, I didn't know who I they just, were, so I just killed them. <laughs> just kept going. And we just kept going. And they don't have a lot of gas up here. <laughs> like, I don't know what Norway even is. Is that German? <laughs> I don't know. We ran over people literally just to get through it. So It's like old grandma's shopping for fish, but I don't know if those fish are Jewish or not. I don't know. They just killed her. <laughs> Nazis! So what happens? Do they come back? Yeah, I mean, they try and establish positions. Um it's actually kind of sucks because he would tell his men, like, he would tell them, go until you run out of gas. Yeah. And then secure your position until we can get gas. Or if you see something nice, get out and walk to it and take it. Oh, wow. And there was actually, there's a scene in the Patton movie mm-hmm. uh, that depicts an actual battle that happened in which a tank regiment or a tank division ran out of gas and they were just like, what do we do now? And there was a road several, like maybe 200 yards in front of them, going the opposite direction. And there was a German division crossing it. And they were like, uh. And they knew they were going to be seen, but they hadn't been seen yet. And so they were like, they don't see us yet. Kill them. So everybody just shot. Oh, shit. Out of gas. There's an infantry division there. There's some tanks and some trucks, but they're out of gas. So they just start shooting the road. And the Germans are taken off guard and like, what the fuck? Like, fuck. So they run into the field, and this uh, ends up being – I'm mentioning it because it's in the movie. It is real. And my grandpa was trained as a gunner. Mm-hmm. So he was a turret gunner either on a tank or on a truck. Yeah. And he was in one of these battles where they – this ha- he was in this one we're talking about here? Yeah, they're in a field and they run out of gas. And oh they see God. some Germans and they just like, they don't see us yet. Let's Star shooting, surprise. So they just blah, 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 blah. And they fought all night long. Fuck. Until the morning, like everybody kind of ran out of bullets until <laughs> they were fighting each other with knives hey. and shit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It continues on. He's like, we're out of bullets too. See you later. Do you guys just want to call it a night? We got some whiskey. <laughs> No, they ran out of the field and just stabbed the shit out of each other. Fuck. Uh, the quote from my grandpa is that uh, he said that it was pitch black in the middle of the night during the battle and that he had a fifty caliber machine gun, which every tenth round was a tracer. So right. You, so you could see it. Where you're, yeah, where you're shooting at. Yeah. And he said that was the only way you could tell where you're shooting. And the next morning, 
because he never did hand to hand. He just shot from his truck. Yeah. And the next morning he was like, there was just body parts. Oh my God. Everywhere. And he's like, how many of those bullets are from me? Just shooting into the night. And, uh, I don't know if this is real, but in the movie, Patton comes across one of these battles after the fact, and it's like, great job. Yeah. And kisses the commander, like, right. amazing. But, um... Did your dad say that your grandfather ever had, like, a hard time talking about any of this kind of shit? Yeah, he didn't like that. He didn't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. I think he talked about it, I would bet, literally a couple times. Right. Three, four times, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck, I would, dude. I wouldn't want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't like talking about it now. Yeah, it's brutal. But, um... Uh, uh, Ike eventually relented and gave Georgie a little bit of gas, but it was never enough for at least what Georgie thinks. Is, is it enough. ever enough? Yeah, I know. Georgie's yeah. like, more, 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 more. So what happens is, and to give you an idea, we are at the border of Belgium. Yeah. Uh, Monty's, I think it's the seventh army in, in the English army. Mm-hmm. They're up north. In between, or under him is Bradley with the first army. Under him is Patton with the third army. Um, many transits or transports of gas to the first army started to disappear. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Look, Georgie has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> there were times when, uh, yeah, whole truck, truck loads worth of gas were diverted. That's like, so funny. You would have a guy dressed in first army uniform be like, oh no, you're going the wrong way. Go south. No, yeah, we've moved position. Nope, south. Keep going. Trust or you'd even have times when places where gas was like stored would just be kifed. Oh my! God. So was it all fucking Georgie? It was Georgie. Oh my god! Yeah, that's yeah, that's known like, now. <laughs> there, there are guys who admit it to be like, yeah, I was part of Georgie's gas stealing. Oh my god! We would steal gas. And Georgie fucking... doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the Germans. I don't know. That's fucking funny, dude. So he would reload his guys and... Keep on board. We don't stop. Oh, my God. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, Third Army required about 200,000 gallons of gas a day. Jesus Christ. And without that, they kind of just faffed around Lorraine uh, until they started to get a little bit more gas. The more they broke into Belgium and they would take positions, they found more places where there was, like, gas reserves and yeah. started to come back. But... Uh, it's important to know that he stole gas from, from his, his own. From Bradley, from the I guy guess. he knows. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and how was Bradley doing now that he doesn't have the gas? He's supposed to be like, we're out of gas. Bradley's like a to-the-book polite guy. I think he was just like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, George wouldn't do that. I don't uh, think so. It's probably the Germans. Yeah. Georgie. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's over there. Georgie. You know, and I have this picture of Georgie himself. Like, not even, they had the truck that has, like, the spigots and everything to be able to just pump the gas. Yeah. But because he's actually, like, kifing it, I actually see him grabbing, like, a hose and, like, sucking on it. <laughs> and then he starts, like, glug, 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 actually, just looking around, like, we got it, dude. <laughs> even though they're like, hey, dude, there's a thing you can just use. He's like, no, 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 it's all right. No, I did this in high school. It's way better. We weren't here. <laughs> Private, come suck this. This is great. Yeah. I could see him just, like, running around, like, like an old school thief, like all black, like tiptoeing, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, Bradley, suck my dick. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just taking gas. Yeah. And Bradley's like, those Germans. <sighs> you can't trust them. Good thing we got Georgie on our side. <laughs> He's just 
literally with gallons full of gasoline. He's like, we don't even need all this office. much. Like, <laughs> hey, let's go to Berlin. <laughs> let's go. So, Georgie, uh, unlike other commanders, so Bradley and Montgomery are in the back of their line. Georgie is always housed physically in the front of his line. Yeah. He uh, is so close that at one point he's staying in a house and there was a shell that blew up the house across the street from him. Fuck. And he saved a French couple who were trapped and burning inside because he was, like, right there. Shit. Like, he's so front line that he gets shelled pretty constantly. Yeah. Um, Another time, like Ike, just driving around in his (laughs) open-top Jeep, just crossed German lines. Yeah. Took fire. Almost died. <laughs> of course. Came back. Shit, 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 shit. Fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck. What's that? Germans. Fuck. <laughs> so uh, now that uh, they've sort of set up position and George is slowly pushing into Belgium, even though he's not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ike is full into Operation Market Garden, which you might be familiar with if you've seen or read uh, Band of Brothers. It's like the 101st Airborne, the guys, the parachuters, were supposed to drop across German lines to the Rhine River, set up bridgeheads where they would like take over bridges. Right. And then secure those bridges. I don't know why he thought that was a great idea because you're across enemy lines. It seems highly dangerous, not going to work. Market Garden doesn't work at all. Okay. We lose all our positions and a lot of people die. There you go. And we set up shop in the Ardennes for the winter and just kind of hunker down and hope that everything goes well. But because of that, because that's where Ike is all in, they don't want Georgie pushing further up because they're like, we don't have the time or the resources. We have a whole other plan. Yeah. So by November, Georgie's given enough supplies to sort of reach the Siegfried line, which is like pre before like the main German end line. The I don't know what it's called. It's like the Waterloo line for Germany. Yeah. Um. So fighting like inch for inch, they reach the Siegfried line, but at this point in the war, it's where, like, trench foot and the flu are killing more soldiers than the Germans. Yeah, bullets are not as bad as the flu. They're cheaper than the flu. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it is, I mean, yeah, the flu is no shit back then. I don't, we didn't have shots yeah. yet. And Georgie even recommends to Ike, he says, after we've taken this, let's just give Lorraine back because it sucks. This is a nasty country. Nobody wants it. <laughs> he literally said, like, let's take over Berlin and then give the Germans Lorraine and we'll keep Berlin because it sucks here. <laughs> um, they get to the Battle of Metz, which is M-E-T-Z. Uh, I don't want to go too much into it. But Metz is a highly fortified uh, area that the losses on both sides for the third army and the Germans is large, but without going into like crazy details, they push into Metz, they blow up a bunch of shit. They knock down walls and rain and shit and mud. And it sucks balls. And Metz is the bloodiest campaign, uh, for the third army. Okay. Um, the Battle of the Bulge, which is coming up, and like saving the 101st in the Ardennes is important, but Metz is much more bloody. I think more people right. die in the Metz. But we take it. Yeah. Fuck the Germans. By December, Georgie's G2 intelligence reports that the Nazis are moving a bunch of supplies around the Ardennes. And, <clears throat> and it's actually him, again, being somehow secretly a genius, where he knew the Bulge was coming before anybody else did. Who did? 
Georgie. Okay. Because he's like, the Ardennes is not an important front, but we see a lot of movement around the Ardennes, and we know we have some guys trapped up there, and the Germans just kind of went radio silent over there. Yeah. So They're he's up sort to of, something. Exactly. So he knows that Ike may not believe him, so he actually sets up a bunch of guys to, he's like, you need to be able to reach the Ardennes as quick as possible. So I'm going to go to this meeting with Ike. Be ready if I call you to go. Fox home. Right. So during the worst winter in recent memory, uh, in December or on December 6th of 44, three Nazi armies advanced through the poorly defended Ardennes against uh, the 101st, which is in there, and they push against the first army, creating a bulge, if you will. Yeah. Right? The bulge. And... Uh, yeah, and again, Hitler's a fucking genius. Right. He believes, again, that pushing past your lines is a good job when you have enemies on either side. This is where, like, people are like, Hitler was probably on drugs at this time, was losing his mind, was fighting three fronts like an idiot. Yeah. I mean, so, like, this, like, push forward and think that it's going to work is the same thing that... Kaiser Wilhelm did in the First World War, and it's what Hitler did earlier outside of Paris. Right. Germans just like dick shapes, maybe. Yeah. They just want to keep doing that, even though it doesn't work. They're like, we're gonna penetrate them. This is how you. This is how a man does it. We penetrate. Realizing they're surrounding themselves. The great thing is that they, at the very tip, they always have a bunch of guys who're like, in a minute, you all need to shoot out at once at the tip, <laughs> in a th- in a thin line. If anything, we're going to get a laugh, right? That's kind of funny. When they look at military maps later, dude, they're going to get a kick out of this. But they never reach that point before the two flanks close. Right. Because they're dumb. So the bulge is up there. Uh, Georgie, having plans to uh, stop the bulge, even though nobody else does because he saw it coming. Yeah. He convenes with all the generals in Verdun. And he, or well, they're all asking, like, what do we do? Because too many... Nobody is close enough to uh, where the bulge is to really have a solid counteroffensive before the entire 101st is overrun. Yeah. And Georgie says, uh, we can attack in two days. And Ike literally says, don't be fatuous, George. We we need to be serious right now. He's like, no, I can do it. Yeah, all the other staff members laugh. They're like, yeah, that's funny. That's eh, fun. So George sternly explains, he's like, no, I can have three divisions in the Ardennes in two days. And nobody believes him. And if you Google map where he is currently at Metz to the Ardennes, it's a 24-hour walk. Yeah. Now he's promising to walk 60,000 men and equipment nonstop for the 120 miles in the winter. Jesus Christ. Uphill both ways. <laughs> Yeah, as my, as my new dad joke. You're old guy. I am old. <laughs> well, everybody's just annoyed. They don't believe him. They're like, "This is annoying. You are always running your mouth, and your ego runs everything. You stupid piece of shit." Uh, but he's like, "Nah, hilariously, I already have the three divisions ready to go. I, I already told him that this was going to happen. I was he's like, like, we're halfway there, actually. We're ready to go." <laughs> And he famously described the bulge as he's like, the Nazis are pretty much sticking their head into a meat grinder. Yeah. I have three divisions up there that turn the meat grinder on. (laughs) So they march and march and march. And Patton, sorry, Georgie 
is in his Jeep alongside the men driving next to them, cajoling them, egging them on. Just move. Push, you. push, push. Move, you beautiful bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, the historical sense is that he just sort of pushed them and inspired them to move along. Uh, my grandpa was part of that push of part of the three divisions up into the Ardennes. Yeah. His takeaway was significantly more human. Yeah. Where he was like, uh, it sucked. It was cold. Uh, I hated it. <laughs> they, we only had cold K rations. Um, we only had like the shitty bacon biscuit and powdered egg things. No hot food. Yeah. A lot of the food was unedible and we would use it for hopscotch. <laughs> we would actually just throw them at each other, like the biscuits, because they like, were too hard. This is trash. <laughs> yeah. Take this. Which is funny to think that, you know. Maybe we'll make the Germans eat this. That'll show them. I'll put it in. You take it. <laughs> uh, he said there was a can of beef with beef juices, which was like the ingredients. Mm. And then there was some pork that had no taste. And he said that he wrote home, and the only thing he could ask for was salt and pepper because it was that bad. <laughs> which i guess yeah so he said the battle like the moving up to the bulge was 46 hours of not stopping eating while you march through the snow shitty full shitty food all cold everything sucked fuck he also said that by the time they actually got there the germans uh recognized the three divisions were coming and they weren't prepared and they actually fucking pulled out really they ran yeah he said there was a few like small arm skirmishes um, but that was it. That by the time they reached up to near where the 101st Airborne was, that the Germans more or less the bulge. They're like, "Fuck, they're coming!" It's like when you have a bulge and you see three army divisions <laughs> coming to you. Yeah, and your bulge goes away. <laughs> you're like, Ugh. "I can't fuck all of that." <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing I asked. My my pops about what grandpa thought about why why would you follow this stupid motherfucker through the snow? Yeah, and he said that he would die bloody before showing Patton that he was a coward. Damn. So so, the, so a lot of the men had a respect for him, obviously. I mean, that's the mentality that they created around him: is don't be a pussy because he's the man. Yeah. Cool. Shit, that's, man. That's how I feel about Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. Okay. Same. Def- definitely the same risks, the same rewards. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so um, during the march up, Willie did hand out his own bones. Willie handed out his personal bones to the men. Right. And it is reported historically that the morale willie created by handing out his personal bones his self-sacrifice is the one variable that created the march successful of course i mean the men were like what are we doing why oh hey willie hey hey oh is that for me you don't have to give me this no this is yours no you good boy oh thanks so much i think that would be my motivation right there uh, willie yeah because you're not gonna eat it you're holding on to it you're like i'm gonna give him this This later for you i'm gonna give him back but his self-sacrifice is what pushed the men forward and I cried thinking about that. <laughs> no shit, man. Cried like Patton himself. He probably did when he's like, oh, you're such a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, December the 22nd, 6 a.m., 
uh, as promised, three divisions met the Nazis, and there wasn't a huge fight, uh, but enough to push them away from the 101st, got them everybody out, and uh, I should say around this time, so the Germans back up a little bit, and then they create a new front, like halfway through where they bulged. Yeah. They're at half mass. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Yeah. like the difference between Cameron Diaz in the 90s and then Cameron Diaz now. Oh, my God. For me. (laughs) Okay. So um, they start fighting, but it's December, and it sucks balls weather-wise. To the point where in Patton's mind, uh, he calls his chaplain, which is like the religious guy in the army, and he says, I need you to write a prayer to God to fix the bad weather and destroy our enemies. <laughs> oh. And the chaplain is a Christian, so he's like, I don't... I, I can't, can't... I don't talk to God personally. Like, okay, what do you want me to write? Yeah, he, he literally didn't know what to do, and Patton was like, I need you to write a prayer that asks for good weather and asks for us to defeat our enemies. And he writes a prayer asking... It's all the regular prayer language. Yeah, yeah. But it's asking for good weather and to defeat our enemies and he wrote it out on they wrote it on cards and distributed it to the men and asked them to say the prayer wow Patton wrote a personal prayer uh that he also allowed to be printed and what i'm about to tell you sounds like something i would make up uh you didn't make this up i didn't okay this is a prayer from george Patton directly to god that is written in history oh boy sir this is Patton talking Last 14 days have been straight hell. Rain, snow, more rain, more snow. And I'm beginning, I'm beginning to wonder what's going on in your headquarters. Whose side are you on anyway? Give me four days of sunshine to dry this blasted mud. I need these four days to send von Rudsten and his godless army to their Valhalla. I'm sick of your unnecessary butchery of American youth. And in exchange for four days of fighting weather, in exchange for four days of fighting weather, I will deliver you enough krauts to keep your book ma- your bookkeepers months behind in their work. Amen. Oh my God. He also printed that and gave that to his men. Oh my God. And if you've wondered how often he gets in trouble, yeah, he's he got look, a lot of trouble. As much as I like his tenacity and his like go forward stuff, he sometimes kind of sounds a little bit like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I think he's a much smarter person than I, especially in given battle shit. That yeah. skill level, like I can't do that shit. But yeah, what a weirdo! If I I don't pray often, but from now on I'm gonna go. Hey, dear God, this is Sarah Com- Sarah Kaya comes in. I need you to knock this shit off. <laughs> right? Here's the problem. My boss is an asshole. You know that. You created him. What? You don't like America? Whose side are you on? Come on. Whose side are you on? All right, I'll make a deal with you. You give me the thing I want. I'll get you some stuff you want. Yeah. Deal? So, does the weather break? It literally does. <laughs> it literally yeah, maybe does. Maybe I'm the idiot. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, you can't deny results because, yeah, uh, on December the 26th, Bastogne, where the 101st has been fighting, is liberated due to good weather. So, 101st, uh, this is something we haven't gone into. This no. is like their whole point is they're going in to go... Basically, it's to push the bulge back and save the 101st. So, how did the 101st get there in the first place? And how did they know that they were stuck there? They were part of the market garden plan, which was to drop parachuters across the line. That's them. Okay. Yeah. 
And if you watch, which I recommend, you can watch the Band of Brothers series. Uh, I think it's on HBO. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Band of Brothers is all about that parachuting uh, troop, and they get stuck behind enemy lines where they're surrounded. But they're not captured. Some of them are, but most of them are okay. They they sort of close in together around the city Baston and then in, like, the woods in the Ardennes. Yeah. And they just fucking, like, in the middle of winter, just barely survive before Patton's able to come. <laughs> yep. Come push, them, push them back. So the Germans, did they know they were there and try to find them, hunt them down, basically? Oh, yeah. They were. But they were low on supplies, too. Um, it's winter, too. West Germany at this point in the war, the Germans are really, they don't really have much left. Yeah. This is near the end of the war. Yeah. It's... I don't know if they were at full strength, if Pat wouldn't be as effective. Yeah. Because he's a lot ego, but maybe. Mm. At this point, most of their shit is either dead or in the East. It's all fucked up. Yeah. I mean, when their best plan is Hitler being like, I don't know, make a dick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they got left. Just shove it in there. Just shove it. It might work. Who knows? You know, every time I put my bulge into a person, they run. <laughs> Let's try that with them. <laughs> like, it's sort of different, sir. No, no. no I'm not. Hitler. I'm, Who are you? I'm Hitler. I'm the one who's high on meth. What do you know? Yeah, yeah. Give my gun, by the way, with one bullet, and I need. I just need it. Just what for, for sir? Yes, for later. Just give it, uh, just in case. Just the one bullet. Yeah. You're only gonna shoot one man, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. The only one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who deserves it. Um. Well, when they're pushing through, uh, Georgie notices that a lot of the recaptured American and British POWs are underfed and he's like huh, they're not even feeding their their uh captured men yeah and he's convinced now that they have nothing left he's now convinced after pushing through the bulge and seeing that he's like a if it were me and i had surrounded 101st i would have crushed them yeah b uh all of the pow's are ill-fed he's like they're done they don't have anything left yeah now what's fun about that is that he's correct yeah. Um, nobody believes him. Why? They think that the Germans are so intense because they've been fighting them for so long. They're they think dicks. they have a secret plan. Mm. They think the bulge was some distraction when really the bulge was the last they had on the West. Yeah. And so I Mon- think it's deception. They do, yeah. Montgomery thinks that there's so much more coming. I better stay back and regroup. And Bradley is just like, I don't know. I'm not sure. And Patton's the only one who's like, nah, I'm walking to Berlin. They're done. We've got this. They're done. Um, he uh, So once it starts warming up in 1945, he closes the bulge. American casualties of the bulge are pretty sad, about 75,000 uh, that we're able to kill to push the bulge back to the regular German front. But the Germans' estimated losses are closer to the hundred thousands. And... We push them back. Yeah. It's a good job. It's a nice job, everybody. Yeah. Um, Georgie was often ordered to slow down. Going too fast. Never did. So now, just like before with uh, a lot of shit, like Messina and every other thing else, he needs to reach a place before anyone else. Now that the Germans have been pushed back, the new line is the Rhine, the river. And uh, Monty is searching to get to the Rhine, and that's who Georgie wants to defeat because he's the main British guy. Yeah. So Georgie's goal is to reach the Rhine before anybody else. Of course. Hella! Does he? Oh, yeah. 
He yeah. beats he beats the British. Oh yeah, he reaches the Rhine before anybody else. Uh, on his way there, he takes a city called Trier uh, with two divisions, and he's radioed shortly after that from Eisenhower. He's like, I know you guys are near Trier. Uh, our estimates are that it'll take four divisions to take Trier, so don't take Trier. Just wait. And Georgie, Does he? No, he already took it. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, he calls Ike and he goes, hey, uh, have taken Trier with two divisions today. Do you want me to give it back? <laughs> uh, Hangs up the phone. Fuck. Georgie is fucking stoked when he's the front of the line just causing chaos. Yeah. Uh, Don't do it. You need more men. We already did it with not more men, so we already did the thing. Do you want me to, want me to I'll give it back? Give, I'll wait for you guys. Uh, I'll give it back and then come and we'll do it again. It's fine. I mean, I don't know if you guys... Like, you just take your time. That's fine. That's cute. That's oh, cute. You're cute, guys. We're actually in Russia now. Um, Germany's done. Uh, Russia's now ours. I'm heading to China. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take China real quick and then just move through India. Um, Where are you guys? Belgium? <laughs> That's weird. That was like last Thursday. <laughs> that was a long time ago. All of his men are just like dying from Oh, my God. Hunger. They'd be so fucked up. And he's the only one who's like, this is awesome. This is great, you guys. I feel fucking great. <laughs> God, we're gonna take over the whole goddamn planet. <laughs> um, he uh he does reach the the Rhine. Bradley's first army reaches the Rhine about the same time, but Ike tells him not to cross the Rhine. Georgie crosses, crosses the, the Rhine. Rhine. Uh, of course. The uh, German air force, the Luftwaffe, bombed the fuck out of him across the Rhine because they're really? like, "This is our line." But Georgie's divisions are able to shoot down about thirty three planes and set up shop on across the. The Rhine. Of course. They set up a bunch of pontoon bridges to cross. And it is quoted, Georgie stopped halfway across on the bridge to piss in the river. <laughs> and his quote is that, I have been looking forward to this for a long time. <laughs> there is Take a, this. a photograph. No way. You can Google Him George Patton in the rain. pissing in the Rhine. Rhine, yeah. And it's there. That's fucking funny. Um, I, this also sounds like something I'd make up, but it's real. Across the Rhine, they found some ruins of some cities and shit. Georgie found a bust of Hitler, and he gave it to Willie to piss on. He's like, this is your <laughs> official, you piss on his face. This is your new fire hydrant. And he did, yeah. He he trained Willie. Like, when you you can shit anywhere, buddy. When you pee, right here. <laughs> That's fucking Right on the face. <laughs> and he did. Oh, my God. It's just fucking great. <laughs> So in April of 45, this is a big deal. Uh, so John Waters, his son-in-law, yeah. who was a POW in Africa, right, was saved when they defeated Africa. But John Waters must be a dipshit because he got captured again in Germany. <laughs> and he's in a POW camp in Hamelburg, which is about 40 miles in past the German lines. So past where? Past where Georgie's at. Yeah. And Georgie... Claims it's a divisionary, di- diversionary, but he sends 300 men into Hamelburg to liberate this POW camp. And get his son-in-law back. He never admitted to that, but everybody knows the deal. Right. What ends up happening is all 300 men uh, get caught and put in the POW camp. <laughs> oh, my God. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. Doesn't. It's widely considered one of his bigger controversies because he put all those men at risk for his son-in-law. Yeah. And that it's another one of those things he would have been fired for if, for one, FDR just died. Like, 
two days before this. Right. And Truman took over. So that was the main story. So because Ike... Shift of power or whatever. Georgie fucking up is like on page three. Yeah. It's fine, I guess. Yeah, like, oh, hey, Truman's got a lot to... He needs to get briefed and... Bigger fish to fry. But that is widely considered like a huge fucking deal that Georgie risked 300 men to save his son-in-law. Did they all get saved, hopefully, later on? Yeah, about a month later, the line moved up to the camp, and they just liberated them. Oh, good. So John Waters would have been fine anyway. Yeah. Georgie's just... Just risked 300 people. He's just like that. He just does shit like that. He seems high risk, high reward, and uh, yeah, it's kind of always balls to the wall, even if it's necessary. A lot of times it's great, it works out. Sometimes it's terrible, but he's still balls to the wall with it, so just do it. I told you to do it. Yeah. Do it. I would do it. I wonder if you curse those 300. Why'd you get captured, you idiots? We only like people who don't get captured. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Well, uh, this is also fun. Third Army liberated a salt mine. That the Germans held. And they're like, cool, salt mine. Let's go check it out. They went down inside the mine, and it was no longer a mine. They found $57 million worth of gold bars. Fuck. Millions more in German currency and you know, Jewish gold teeth fillings and oh, jewelry. No. But they found a whole bunch of fucking money. And Georgie called up Ike and was like, bro, I found all this rich. Fucking- <laughs> so... I got this plan. I found it. I mean, it's mine, technically. Yeah. Third Army, right? It's mine. So I want to melt it all down and make medals for the Third Army. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. $58 million worth of gold, and he wants to make medals for the Army. Yeah. What happens? Ike says no. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? The medals. You know what I'm talking about. Look how good we are. Third Army. They we, deserve it, bro. We found it. And Ike was like, oh, my God. What is with you? <laughs> Homeschooled. <laughs> Homeschooled. <laughs> yes. Ike said absolutely not for... Regular fucking so what happened to adult, all that? adult reasons. Uh, the Allies absorbed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what they ultimately did was try to use it to... Rebuild. Rebuild Germany, pay back the Jews, yeah. build their armies. You know. Here's they the definitely didn't give it back to the Germans. Yeah. Fucking Christ. Um, well, shortly after this as well, Georgie, uh, the Third Army, was able to liberate a concentration camp. Oh, nice. Near uh, Ordruf. It's actually in Ordruf, Germany. Uh, the SS saw the Third Army coming and had killed everyone. Oh, really? That's before fucked they got up. There. So once that happened, Georgie and Ike went together. Uh, it's a bummer part of their sitcom, but they toured the concentration camp to see what the fuck this is. Because I think this, this is, is where you tell them to take all the pictures, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, it's the next. They, it's the next one. Oh, okay. They find some more camps. Th- this one, I think, is probably the first Allied. Like, what the fuck is this? This is actually. This is not a joke. Yeah. Um, but this one is without witnesses because everyone is dead. Right. And Georgie vomits, and then cries. Yeah. Unconsolably. And a few days later, they find the bigger camp in. Uh, Buchenwald, or Buchenwald. Ugh, I hate that I'm saying it probably wrong because it's probably historically important. Yeah. But I think it's Buchenwald. And there, there are many prisoners still alive, however skeletal. This is the one that uh, Ike is like, take pictures. No one's going to believe this shit. You have to. Not going to believe it. Because the other one you could say was like a death camp. Be like, maybe POWs or whatever because it's all bodies. But yeah. Buchenwald had... People living. who are starved to death almost. Yeah. 
and they had like the big uh, uh, ovens, the chambers, and yeah, yikes, yeah, shit. Um, Georgie reportedly vomited and then cried. Yeah, yeah, yes. Who wouldn't fuck? I don't even know if I would vomit and cry. I feel like I would go into shock. Yeah, and they'd just be like, "I didn't see that. It didn't happen." Yeah, I live on Mars. Yeah, yeah. Repress it and I just repress go into it. a fantasy world. I repress it and just get weird. And probably think humanity's done, so. Oh, no, yeah, I wouldn't be a person anymore. I'm a dolphin no. that lives on the... I, I don't go underwater anymore because yeah. I don't feel like it. I like being on the on the beach. Yeah. What are you talking about with the what? I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I've never seen anything. I'm a I'm a dolphin. Yeah. So after they get there, I echolocate. Ah! Yeah. How did uh, how did they uh, deal with that afterwards? Were they bummed out? Yeah. Just bummed out. All right. What happens next? All right. <laughs> Fuck. Let's find out. Um, as discussed in the Ike episode. Yeah. Um, Ike leaves Berlin to the Russians. Right, right. I remember this because he, it was kind of a questionable thing. He feels it's not tactically important because we know the Germans have moved down into Czechoslovakia because they're running. Right, right. And Berlin, again, yeah, technically it's not important. But politically it is. Yeah. But Ike allows the Russians to take it because it's a political move where he's like, you're my allies. You guys have actually killed and taken more losses than us. Yeah. Take the prize. Because I want everybody to get along, because that's how Ike thinks. Right. Georgie doesn't think that way. What does Georgie think? He's like, don't give it to him. He should take Berlin. Ah. Uh. Now, here is where I will agree with Georgie. Georgie is an asshole. Yeah. And thinks he should get all the glory for everything all the time. But what he also believes is that the Russians are communists who uh, are... take from everybody all the time. And are going to be an enemy, probably. Bam. Yeah. That's a huge part of Patton's story that I don't think is talked about is that he recognized that that the communists it's a I'm trying to think of the right word disease more or less a cancer it it, it 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 eats it spreads yeah it eats and he's like if they take Berlin they're not giving it back yeah if I take it I'm an American I don't want it I'll liberate it like Americans do and let the Germans do their thing yeah so. He is super pissed off at Ike, and Ike doesn't want him involved in this because he knows he'll start a war with Russia. Yeah. So he says, avoid Berlin, run down to Czechoslovakia, uh, and make sure that the uh, SS that are Go still clean there, up. Well, that's what he's told. It sucks. So here's here's what happened. He runs down to Czechoslovakia, and on his way there, the resistance the social resistance in Czechoslovakia against the SS here that the hero of the war, George Patton's coming. They're like, we're going to be liberated. This yeah. is fucking great. So they start fighting the SS. Fuck. Georgie gets there and he is about four miles away from Prague, the capital of Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And he gets a call from Ike and Ike says, we're giving Prague to the Russians. And what? Georgie says, "Why?" Yeah, and he says, "It's a no, it's it's non-tactical and it's it's political. Don't don't go into Prague." Oh, come on! And the Russians 
are further from Prague than Georgie. Georgie is literally miles ha- away. Couple hours. Yeah. And the Russians are about a day and a half. Fuck. So what ends up happening is that the Czechoslovakian resistance gets straight up murdered. It's crushed from the SS because their res- their reinforcements that they anticipated didn't come. Jesus. Because Georgie is on the outside of the city like why wasn't this one of the times he just didn't listen and be like, I'm going to go do it, push forward? It's a big part because a lot of people say he should have. That was his brazen spirit. He should have. Yeah. Um, Why do you think he stopped? Do you think that uh, he was just like, all right, it's all over. I think the like f- saying the stuff, let's just wrap up and go. The fear of getting fired. Because yeah. every time he does shit, they threaten to fire him. He's like, usually it's for me running my mouth. If I directly disregard commands, they might fucking hang me. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it could be considered treason, I think, if you're just constantly not... It sucks, balls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I skipped over this because I'm lost in my timeline, and I didn't want to, but I did write down that pre this, in April 30th, um, some fuckface who wanted to make Germany great again put a metal dick in his mouth. What? Oh, Hitler. He put a metal... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wanted to make Germany great again, and then instead he put a metal dick in his mouth. And he ate a bullet. And then it cum-shotted into his brain, and... Uh, Him and his wife. He and his... Ava? I don't know he, what her he, name is. We'll do Hitler later. Because the fuck who she is. Yeah. She's, a she's na- nobody. She's a Nazi cocksucker. Yeah. And that's not the beer talking. <laughs> that's just the truth. Yeah. Um... Moving through all of these destroyed um, German cities, I did just want to say that uh, Georgie wrote to Beatrice that he's finally feeling like he sees all these decimated cities and homeless civilians, and he says, I did most of this. Am I getting soft? Like He starts to actually feel bad. I think that's the first time. He's, he's like, out of all this, all this shit, he's like, ah, maybe this was... A bit much. Could have been worse, I guess. I didn't have to do this. Um, but yeah, like I said, doesn't take Prague. Bunch of them die. That sucks. Uh, he calls Ike and pleads to go in, and they don't let him. And uh, yeah. So by the time the Russians get there, is it just the uh, Czechoslovakian res- resistance is pretty much crushed. A lot of people are hung and shot. Jesus. Uh, the Russians do go in and ultimately crush the SS. But if you know anything, Czechoslovakia is part of the USSR. They, yeah. They aren't given any type of liberty back. They just move from one oppressor to the next. Right, right. Which is what Georgie was trying to stop. And just in case anyone is curious, SS is Germans. Yeah, I don't know what it stands for. It's oh, German. Either. It stands it's... for stupid asshole. Yeah. But the S's are mixed up. Because they're stupid. <laughs> yeah. they're not. They're the they ones... don't even know that Nazi means dumb mouth breather. Well, they didn't like it. That's why I was going to bring that fact up. Yeah. Nazis didn't like being called Nazis. It was Which like, is why we call them that. Yeah. And most people, I, at least as far as I'm aware, most people don't know that today. Like, that's just a common term that we know. We need to keep Nazi. saying it. Yeah. And yeah. we need to remind people that it wasn't their name. It's We're calling them backwoods, backwards yeah. dumbasses. Because they were the National Socialist Party of Germany or whatever. Right. And Nazis was a slang derogatory term towards yeah. them being hey, negative. Dipshit. Yeah. And then they were just like, we're the dipshits. Yeah. Well, and, and Hitler didn't want his own men calling him that. He didn't call his own men Nazis. But if you ever meet anyone in the U.S. who are part of a U.S. Nazi kind of chapter, 
Yeah, they're idiots because they don't. They're calling themselves Nazis. They didn't even, a bad thing. They didn't even look into their own shit for stupid shit. Yeah. Mother stupid motherfuckers. Anyways. Well, uh, <clears throat> Georgie is deeply, deeply mad about this scenario. And May 7th, 1945, the Nazi dumbfuck surrender. Yeah. And Georgie took, his, took Willie outside to go for a walk. And he told his staff, uh, the best end for an old campaigner is a bullet at the last minute of the last battle in the head. And uh, I hope to have more briefings with all of you soon in China. Because he wants to go to the Pacific front. Why just... Georgie's never done. He's never done with death if there's war. Right. Uh, That doesn't end up happening. Why not? Let's see. So, uh, his... uh, Blah, 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 blah. God, he fucking hates the Russians. So here's what happens. He's given the command of Bavaria. Bavaria is like South Germany. Okay, yeah. He's just sort of like told your post-war commander of rebuilding Bavaria. You need to fix the infrastructure and uh, get the social services and the civic services back together. Okay. And he fucking hates that. But he gives a bunch of talks to his staff and the public at this point. Georgie doesn't care anymore. He calls the Russians barbarians, <laughs> no. apes, idiots, SOBs, uh, dirty Huns. And he Do the ha- Russians like respond at all to any of these? No. Oh. I don't think they're afraid of him. They're like, oh, we don't care. We're getting all this cool shit that we just got. Mm-hmm. They got more booty than him. Yeah. They got Berlin and Prague. He talks about constantly he hates communism, he hates Stalin, and he publicly said that he would like to take the Third Army and push Russia out of Prague and out of Berlin and back to Russian lines. Fuck. So I keep telling him to shut the fuck up, but he doesn't. At this point, because the war is over, I just don't think he cares anymore. Yeah. So... It's viewed that this talk is warmongering, but there is also some pretty prescient socio-political shit. Nobody saw the Cold War coming but Georgie. Yeah. And maybe that's because of warmongering, but he was right. Yeah. Because he actually said, he's like, why start one war with dirty motherfuckers to start a war with another? Yeah. He's like, we have the army now. Let's do it. Go crush them. We can't trust that's the Russians. That's what he's thinking. That's literally it. He's like, we can stop them now. We may not be able to later, and we're just going to start another war with them later. Let's push them back into Russia now. Yeah. Um, and he got in a lot of trouble for that, but again, he doesn't... He didn't care. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. He actually said that Ike is going to run for president. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, Ike, I hope, makes a better president than he makes a general. Fuck. Because he's like, he's doing all this political shit instead of what he should be doing, which is protecting American and British interests by pushing the Russians out. Because communism is a disease that feeds on desperation and... and, uh, Poorness. Yeah. Economic bad sadness. Yeah. And that's what George, that's literally what George said. (laughs) Not me on too much beer. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, he's the occupation commander in Bavaria and he hates it. He uh, actually takes the mansion of the former SS publisher who published Mein Kampf. Oh, really? Which is hilarious. No way. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. And he's got this huge mansion that has a swimming pool. And Willie, 
gets a jewel encrusted bowl. <laughs> yeah, because he's a good boy. He's a good boy. He did. He needs it. He's such a good boy. He fought a good war. Yeah, he's yeah. He's... He did a really. He fought a really good war. Uh, Georgie sent back to America for a month long war bond promoting parade and speech tour, which was predictably upsetting for everybody, because again, doesn't care. Yeah. He talks about how he has been sent by the god of war. Uh, the Russians are Mongols. The Japanese are disgusting. Uh, the real heroes are the soldiers who lived, even though the dead soldiers are also heroes. He didn't ever really oh, weird. explain that. Yeah. Uh, he said the Third Army is the greatest army that lived of all time. Uh, he would sometimes cry during... Really? Yeah, yeah, during these speeches in front of thousands of people. Hmm. Uh, he toured uh, New York and Boston and uh, Los Angeles and a bunch of places. Just... Crying so and being a racist. <laughs> so we're not saying that, you know, you can't do great things if you're homeschooled. We're just saying that you're going to be fucking weird when you're doing great things if you do. You can definitely do great things, but yeah. you're going to be fucking weird. You're a weirdo. <laughs> and you know what? When you do accomplish good things and make history, it's a fucking fun story. <laughs> so maybe do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Weird. Uh, Before he left back to go to eat... Uh, Bavaria to com- to continue his uh, occupation position, he weirdly told his daughters that he'd never see them again. Why? He told them that luck is like a, a, a closed bank account that you're born with and that eventually you run out. And He, he said thinks that, you're actually born with a certain amount and he, he's used all of his up. And he literally said that he was born with more than most, but he's like, but mine's out now. I think I think I've run out of luck. That's fucking weird, but also weird. What's gonna happen next? It's weird because he's correct. Uh, so oh, I did want to say before he leaves, he meets uh George Patton the fifth, George Patton Waters. Who's oh, okay, still alive. His his daughter's son. Correct. Yeah. yeah, his daughter Beatrice's son, who was five years old, and he gave him a P thirty eight, which is like a military issue can opener. Oh. I have one of my keys because I'm a nerd. Yeah. Uh, and he also gave him two German war helmets. Uh, one was clean and one had a bullet hole through it. What he the hell? Gave, he gave a, his five-year-old? He gave a five-year-old that. What the fuck? I, I don't. All right. Georgie. Yeah. Uh, he also, before he left, requested through Marshall to be transferred to the Pacific Front, which nobody would approve. They, they called Georgie the prima donna. Of the Western Front. Oh. And they said, they called MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur, the prima donna of the Eastern Front. Oh. Not the Eastern Front, the Pacific Front. Yeah. Sorry. And they said, we can't have two prima donnas, so Georgie, you're done. You're, you're done with war. Yeah. So many believe that because of this and his wild talking, uh, especially Ike, there are quotes where he literally thinks that Patton is mentally unstable now. They, yeah. They think he might actually be a crazy person. So they sent him back to Bavaria. Uh, he gets in more trouble, which is weird, where he reassigns civic servant positions to former Nazis. Weird. Why? That doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, Ike's specific command. Oh, so you had a whole bunch of bad beliefs? Let's put you into some power a little bit. Maybe, maybe run maybe the train. Maybe try again. Maybe run the trains. Jesus Christ. No Jews? I don't know. Maybe that's a good plan. Run your shit. Oh, man. So Ike said specifically, your job is to rebuild Germany, denazifying it. Yeah. 
And in response, Georgie said that Nazism is similar to being a Democrat or a Republican. It's just a damn title. Fucking weird, dude. Why would he say that? I land on the argument that once Nazism became the prominent thing, you couldn't get a government job unless you were like, yeah, sure, okay, I'm a Nazi. Sure. So he was like, many of these people are not anti-Semitic, and they're not violent. They just assign... Took on the title for, yeah, it'll get me what I need. But I don't think he asked them. I don't think he sat them down and was like, killing Jews? What do you think? Yeah. Huh? No, he was just like, so you used to work here at the train station? You're the guy. You run the train. Because his logic was, if they don't do it, then I have to assign third army guys to do it, and I have to train them, and that's bullshit, and they already know how to do it. That's weird, though. It's, it's just not, laziness. It's not great. Yeah. It's, history does not look kindly on his decision to not denazify Germany. Yeah. Especially since, here's the other reason, he was like, the Nazis were great at war. Why like, does that matter, though? He in said, this scenario. He said, let's rearm them to help us push the Russians back into Russia. No, no, that doesn't make any sense. Georgie, you were so right up to this point. Oh, my God. Because here's the other fun part. Georgie, quote, if we let Germany be completely uh, disintegrated and starved, they will certainly fall for communism. And the fall of Germany for communism will write the epitaph of democracy in the United States. The more I see people, the more I regret I survived war. He starts talking about how the Jews maybe uh, oh my God. set up the Holocaust. Oh my God. Why? What the fuck is going on with him? I think he might actually be crazy He's now. actually losing his mind. I, he's been hit on the head so many fucking times, and he's a little bit off. Too much war, man. Too much war for one person. I mean, any war is too much, but fuck, dude. I mean, at first, he says that uh, he's pissed that the Jews want to dismantle Germany, which who can blame him? Yeah. But he's like, let's not dismantle them because the Aryan race is fantastic. Oh, my God. And then he starts to get into Red Eric that maybe the Jews... Oh, my God. Faked or forced. If that guy would have been born in Germany, fuck. It would have been a bad... Yeah, because he was a better germ or general than Rommel. Yeah. We would have, we would all be speaking German and there'd be no Jews. We wouldn't even know the word Jew. Oh, my God. God damn it, Patton. So what happens after this? Well, he starts getting kind of depressed uh, because he's an anti-Semite and nobody wants to talk to him. Yeah. And the war is over and Japan surrenders. Right. And there's... Fat boy. There's many months of him being a rampant racist and calling the Russians uh, the next wave of Genghis Khan. Hmm. And everybody kind of distances themselves from him. And Crazy. Just step back away. Hey, hey. we're, we're going to go. go. I'm going to go the direction I'm pointing. So we're going to go over here. Yeah. Keep, I'll keep doing whatever you um, The worst thing that ever happened to him in his life, literally, Ike takes Third Army away from him. <laughs> yeah. And reassigns him to the commander of 15th Army, which... Does I do this as, like, insight, like, you're losing it? Oh, yeah. He's like, we don't trust you anymore. Yeah. You are talking shit on our allies. You're talking shit on Jews. Causing a lot of you issues, bro. You are saying that the Aryan race is superior? Uh, no. No more army for you. Yeah. Because he's given command of the 15th Army, which is not an army. The 15th Army... Has no soldiers or equipment. It is literally a small group of officers who oversee specific tasks. Yeah. 
This task is to create a World War II memorial in Holland. And how does a uh, Georgie feel about this? He cries. Yeah. He cries a lot. Yeah. Uh, like, no, please. Come on. And Ike is like, no, no. I'm not doing this anymore with yeah, you. You're done. We got. Thank you for helping us win the war, Thanks. but fuck. That's, let's call it what it is now. We're done. Look. It's not you. It's no. It's actually totally you. It's not me at all. You are the weirdo. <laughs> no, nah, it's you. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, you're saying some weird fucking shit, bro. Dude, we're literally months past the Holocaust, and you're already like, oh, I don't know. Maybe the Jews faked it. Ike's like, I was right there with you. What? What are you talking you about? You were there. You threw up. Nah, they made the Jews made me throw up. Oh my god, George Soros. You threw up and cried. They made me do it. Their magical Jew magic. They made up their own Holocaust and then they put themselves in it. Hey, if you think Ike, about it. You know what Holocaust? Jesus. Are you, Holocaust? Hologram. Oh, see how I took like the first part of the root word sounds kind of. You like ever it's... read Jewish magic? <laughs> Jesus. Like, okay. All right, so 15th Army. So you're not in charge of anything important. Uh, he starts working on a memoir that doesn't work because he's crazy. Right. Uh, it is released. Posthumously, if you want to look up, it's called uh, "War as I Knew It." And is it any? It's diary entries, and the last few chapters are what he was trying to write for his memoir. It's fine. Mm. His diaries are batshit. Yeah, he's not a regular fucking guy. If you want to read it, um, he uh, let's see. On December the 10th of 1945, he was about to start his leave to go home for Christmas. Yeah. And he's feeling predictably bummed. And on December the 9th, the day before, his assistant is like, you need to pick me up. Let's go pheasant hunting. Yeah. And he loves hunting. And they're about an hour outside of Frankfurt, Germany. And he goes, okay. And his driver, who like all of his drivers, are pushed to drive 80 miles an hour. <laughs> and reckless. Go, go, go. So on the morning, they're driving like Georgie likes, fast as fuck. And they actually stop at a train. There's a train crossing. Yeah. And once the train goes, his driver guns it. Burn. And there's a, a private who's been up all night drinking, <laughs> turning left from the other side. And he uh, was driving a big truck, like a huge military uh, utility truck. Yeah. And Georgie is looking at the ruins of Frankfurt. It's all fucking bombed out. And he's sort of having a rumination moment. He's like, what is war, driver? (laughs) And he points out a building. The driver looks. Last second sees the drunk private coming. Turns hard to the left. And so Georgie is sitting in the back passenger side. Okay. So that means that the car swerves. And Georgie is now facing the utility truck that slams oh, right shit. into it. Yeah. Um, I doubt he's wearing a seatbelt. Doesn't sound like a seatbelt guy. I don't know if they had seatbelts. I don't belts. think seatbelts were a thing at the time, especially not military vehicles. Definitely not. So what actually happens is that he gets scalped from Jesus the metal partition that separates the back and front part. Okay. He gets scalped, and then his spinal cord is severed. Fuck, dude. So his assistant, uh picks him up and he's bleeding profusely and he is like i can't feel my body and uh and the guy's like okay well don't don't move 
you know, don't don't move. Uh, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. And he's bleeding everywhere. They finally get him to a hospital, and he's, you know, he's Georgie. They stabilize him, so he makes a bunch of dark jokes about like, what do you want me to tell Satan, or what do you want me to tell God? <laughs> right. Uh, or what a crazy way for a military genius to die. And uh, they don't know if he's gonna die, but they don't. The way that his spine severed, they put him in a cast, but they were like, even the greatest spine specialist in the world was like, mm, no. not gonna. So it was about a month later. B Beatrice hopefully came to the hospital and read to him for 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 that for that month. Yeah. But in uh, December twenty first, nineteen forty five, at the age of sixty. Presumably from an embolism, uh, he died, but we don't know because uh, B refused an autopsy. She didn't want his. She well, said she didn't want his body desecrated. Desecrated, yeah, yeah. Which is whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter at that point. He's it's, he's dead. He's not. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He got. He was in a car accident. That's probably part of it. Some at some point. So the guy who was constantly at the front battles, driving force, constantly going, go, 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 thousands of different accidents along the way, getting shot, shelled next to him, all that stuff, he dies by a car accident after the war. And it's so crazy. It's some just um, drunk private driving home in the middle of the morning. One of his own guys, fuck. Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe. It's weird. So I guess his luck ran out, like you said. He, that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said that he wanted to be buried with his men. So uh, Patton is still buried in Luxembourg. Oh, really? He is right next to a private from Detroit who died during the bulge and surrounded by about 5,000 other soldiers from the 3rd Army. Yeah. Currently, he's still there. Um, his funeral was small. Uh, Beatrice didn't want it large. He didn't want it large. Ike was specifically not invited. Really? Per Georgie's wishes, uh, like I said, he said, I hope he makes a better president than a general. Yeah. And I don't want him invited. Wow. So, to wrap up the last bits of this crazy motherfucker, there is a stupid conspiracy that he was assassinated. By who? Um, either Ike or the Russians. Hmm. So, you know Bill O'Reilly? Yeah, yeah. Dumb fuck fucks. Yeah, yeah. Who was fired for sexual assault. Who's an idiot, yeah. He's a fucking moron, but yeah. He knows nothing. No, he, that guy fucking... He wrote a book called Killing Patton that yeah, of course. is about the government and the military murdering him for his free speech against the Russians. Um, I 100% agree. The government were not psyched that he said that. How do you assassinate a guy with a car accident yeah. with a drunk kid in the middle of the morning? Bill O'Reilly shouldn't have a job that involves counting higher than the number four. So Four is being nice. The guy's a moron. And he's so fucking loud about what a genius he is. Yeah. You know, he's Patton probably would have liked him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They would have gone along. I bet, it, yeah, if Patton had lived, he would have been like, they tried to assassinate me <laughs> with a car. Yeah. There is a lot you can read about it. There are books. Yeah. There are documentaries. There's actually, I'll say, there's a fantastic documentary um, called Assassinating Patton, which I, I watched to get this context. And only like the last 30 minutes talks about the conspiracy. Everything up to that is actually a pretty great 
like documentary about Patton and the Second World War. So oh, nice. You can swallow the bullshit. It's not bad. <laughs> um, his son, Georgie the Fourth, uh, who recently passed away, he became an officer, and uh, he was uh, actually in the first military campaign for the Cold War. What's oh, shit. often called the first thing of the Cold War. It was in 1948 in Berlin. Uh, Russia weirdly created a blockade and tried to starve everybody in Berlin out to succumb to communism. Yeah. And America and uh, England created what's called uh, the Ber- the Berlin Airlift to drop supplies over Berlin to be like, eat food, resist communism. Yeah. So Georgie IV was part of that. Fuck. Uh, in, in Berlin. So Makes that's sense. fucking <laughs> ironic. Yeah. Um, Georgie the. Fifth, who is Georgie Patton Waters, was in the Navy. He uh, retired. He's quite old. Uh, I love to mention he fucking hates Donald Trump. Oh, really? Donald Trump loves George Patton, and his grand great grandson or his grandson. His grandson, yeah. Fucking like, hates him. Fuck you! Don't like my dad or my grandpa. No, he talked about how Patton was like an honorable historical man, and Trump's Trump a Trump piece is a of shit. Piece of shit. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure everybody knew Willie went on to become mayor Aww. of Good Boys. Oh, yeah. He actually passed away in 1997 on a pile of bones. Really? 1997? He lived longer than any other good boy. Seriously? Yeah. He was roughly 100 years old. <laughs> in doggy years? In doggy years. He was thousands. Yeah. Oh, he was such a good boy. Yeah. He was so good. Yeah. Oh. Um... <laughs> There is the movie Patton, which I did talk about. Definitely watch that if you're into it. Cool. Um, Patton has a statue at West Point. He has a stamp. Um, there is poetry. And I was going to give you just a little bit here. So he writes a lot of poems. Read them if you feel like it. Yeah. His most famous one is called Through a Glass Darkly. And a lot of his poems are about being in war. But what I have not mentioned up to this point because I couldn't fit into the narrative but we have talked about how Georgie is a psycho. Yeah. Georgie believes that he has been reincarnated several times. Oh, boy. Okay. And that in every reincarnation, he's been a warrior. Hmm. When he was in Africa, he would go to historical places and tell his assistants, like, I was here. I can smell the sweat and the bronze. Oh, boy. Hannibal's army was approaching from the east. I could see them. The spears shined in the sun. And then he did that in Sicily, and he did that in uh, France, and he did that in Germany. It's fucking weird, bro. He's an odd cat. Homeschooled. Homeschooled. Where you don't have social interaction, so in your mind you're like, I've been reincarnated. Yeah. Once I was Hannibal, and then I was Napoleon. Oh, my God. So a lot of his poems involve that. I'm going to give you the last three stanzas of Through a Glass Darkly. As through a glass and darkly, the age-long strife I see where I fought in many guises, many names, but always me. And I see not in my blindness what the objects were I wrought. But as God rules over our bickerings, it was through his will I fought. So forever in the future shall I battle as of yore, dying to be born a fighter, but to die again once more. Hmm. So as far as Georgie hmm. is concerned, he's been reborn. Yeah. Um, I checked all the hippie shit, and I'm 
pretty sure he was reborn, but he's Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> right. So he now fights he's a cook. He, he fights, fights. He fights war in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, he does yell a lot. Yeah. And he hates the British, so it's ironic. That this he... soup is dry. <laughs> Make it again. These scallops are disgusting. <laughs> you know how many Germans I killed. Um, a letter of his recently sold at auction for seventy-five thousand dollars. Wow. It was a letter he wrote a Miss Viola Reichstein, who kept writing the U.S. military that her son was missing. Private Sam Reichstein. She hadn't heard from him in a minute. He was part of Georgie's army when he was in Sicily. Yeah. And they found out that he was dead. He stepped on a mine. Oh, bummer. So Georgie wrote her back. And personally, which I guess he, he did this often. And to quote that, he said, I can never look on one of our wounded soldiers or on the corpses of one of our men without my eyes filling with tears and my throat choking up. But we should not, as I often say, regret that such men have died. Rather, we should thank God that men like that have lived. So he wrote a lot of these types of letters to families and moms. Right. So we talk a lot of shit. He is crazy. But he's a thoughtful, nice guy. Yeah. And to give you some quotes to leave us off, he said, Remember that these enemies whom we shall honor to destroy are good soldiers and stark fighters. To beat such men, you must not despise their ability, but you must be confident in your own superiority. Remember, too, that your God is with you. Don't die for your country. Make the other bastard die for his. <laughs> Fuck. The end. Fuck. Fuck, dude. George Patton. Motherfucker. Good Good lord. Um, That's a crazy story, man. This is a good one. I love this fucking episode. I'm Episodes. I'm tired. Me too. This is a long bit, man. Yeah. Well, we hope you love both parts. I hope uh, the dabblers stuck around with us. Yeah, no, this is amazing. This is great shit. So thanks again for tuning in and listening to one of our episodes. All of them. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you can make sure to catch all the new ones and anything else that we are posting up. We're out every week. We're on all the platforms. Tell your homeschool friends. And seriously, hit us up on whatever platform you listen to this to, on iTunes or on Spotify. Leave a comment and hit like because it really does help the algorithm so that way we can spread out to other searches. The more likes we get, the more people can listen. And, you know, the more we work on our content to uh, help spread that out as well. So so we are not monetized. But no. this is all runoff of ego. Yeah. The more listens we have, the more psyched we are to do it. It's very true. So if you like us... <laughs> The algorithm goes up, we get more likes, we make better episodes. Yeah. We're not going to monetize. I just want to know, I want to know you. Dabblers. Mm. People time! Hey, thanks again for listening to one of our podcasts. Be sure to catch our next one that's coming out. Thank you. People time! People time. Hey, click on the next one and subscribe, bitch.